Xbox On. Welcome to Xbox On, a podcast with one host about one console, Xbox. I'm said host Jesse DeRosa, and on today's episode, we'll be talking about the latest Xbox news for the week of January 25th, 2024, including... Pal World has taken over the gaming world, and there is so much to say about the game itself in addition to the controversy that surrounds it. Halo Infinite is moving away from a seasonal model, and 343 is ramping up for something new. We'll talk which sports bars offer the best deals on chicken wings, and much more. Happy birthday, Lala. On this day in Xbox history, in the year 2008, 16 years ago, Burnout Paradise was released for the Xbox 360 in Europe. And I don't, I don't know this. Yeah, doesn't matter. Europe's a big market, okay? The Europeans celebrating Burnout Paradise. I don't know. Normally we do yet U.S. I, I realized as I was uh, looking up something for this week's this day in gaming history, and I was like, why, why, why can't we celebrate when Europe got Burnout Paradise there? They matter. They, they are a market of gamers as well. So. Europe, you remember 16 years ago today when you when you all collectively bought Burnout Paradise in 2008 at the exact same time for the Xbox 360, causing sales of the PS3 version of the game to just absolutely crater and making Sony uh, sweat bullets while you guys all enjoyed the thrill of what many consider to be the last great Burnout game? Well, no, Burnout Paradise, is that the last Burnout game period? I don't know. I don't know if there was another one. I don't know. I remember a lot of people really remember burnout paradise very fondly but i know there's that contingency of like burnout uh kind of a purist who are like no 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 burnout 3 was the last real burn fuck off all i know is burnout was a cool series i kind of get why it's not around anymore because its whole like gimmick or thing was built around like this one mechanic that could just be an element of an otherwise bigger racing game but i feel like that was kind of the beauty and the majesty of what made burnout special was the crash mechanic so i don't know should Burnout come back? I remember the original creator of Burnout made some kind of indie game where you controlled like golf balls and tried to crash stuff or something like that. Do you remember this? this was like early to mid Xbox One years, and it was like an indie game, and that happened. I don't I don't remember the name of that game, but yeah, Burnout. Come on, EA, bring it back. Let's do a full a full Burnout remaster collection because remaster collections um, are always such a great idea. Shout out to that game. Guys, welcome to episode 243 of the Xbox On podcast, where we have it's that it's that little you know it's that it's that uh, post developer direct slump not not slump necessarily but you know there's a little bit of that we're coming off a big high you know we we saw Vowed it looks awesome we saw Hellblade two it's still coming we saw uh, Indiana Jones I don't know I feel I'm confused about the Indiana Jones thing because. My takeaway was, like, I was pretty surprised how mostly positive people seem about the game. But the the other, I don't know, like, the people I've talked to and, like, the podcasts I've listened to and, like, the videos I've watched seems like people are like, oh, there's a lot of controversy about the new Indiana Jones game. I'm like, I don't know, is there? I mean, there's always, like, your usual suspects bitching and moaning about stupid stuff like the third person versus first person argument. But, like, for the most part, like, it seems like, most people are pretty overwhelmingly stoked on 
Indy, and that's that's a great feeling. It looks great. Games look great. But now, this week, no, Xbox hasn't shown us a handful of new games that we can look forward to playing this week. But we do have interesting news to talk about nonetheless. Pal World has, has taken over the world. Uh, the, the real world has been taken over by the Pal World. Fuck you, Pokemon. Now you're playing second fiddle to a, a small game uh, made with AI art. I'm just kidding. We'll get into that later. That was a joke. Please don't be upset. Don't be charged sexually or aggressively. Please. Thank you. Guys, let's start this week talking about the notable games releasing. I would say this is the first time. Well, I mean, last week we had Prince of Persia, but this is the other first time where we have some <laughs> really interesting games, notable games coming out this week. For the first time in 2024, Like a Dragon Infinite Wealth. That's right. It's the sequel to uh, Like a Dragon, which came out in 2020. Was that 2020? That was a launch Xbox Series game, wasn't it? Holy shit. Um, yeah, the sequel to that. So this is the newer Yakuza series. Uh, reviews are in. Apparently, it's like the best Yakuza game to date. It's like people are really, really loving it. Now, I'm super far behind the series. I'm on Yakuza 4, so I've only played 0, 1, 2, and 3. So I'm trying to slowly work my way there. I know there's some of you who listen to the podcast who are like, Ah, Jesse, speed it up already. You got to catch up. These games are so great. I Stop. It's, it's stressful. These games come out way faster than I can keep up with. But it seems like people really love this one. I find it hard to believe any Yakuza game will ever be as great as Yakuza 0. But I'm willing to play through all of them if you just give me like two centuries to catch up. So like a dragon, infinite wealth. If you're one of the people who are either a jumping around to the games you want because you don't care about playing them in order. Good for you. Or if you're B one of the crazy people who've actually played all the other Yakuza games and you're up to date on the series. Good for you. Uh, you can go enjoy infinite wealth. God knows. I wish, uh, I wish I were at that point, but I'm still very far behind. Uh, notable thing about this. Unlike uh, the last Like a Dragon game or The Man Who Races Name or Ishin, which recently came to Game Pass, this game, Infinite Wealth, will not be on Game Pass, at least not now. I suspect it will come to Game Pass in probably like 10 months or something, but at least at launch, it is not a, a Game Pass game, which is, uh, I don't know, with, with these Yakuza games, they're kind of 50-50. A lot of them end up going straight to Game Pass, so... Not this one. Keep that in mind. You'll have to pay full retail price. All right. The other big notable game this week, uh, the one I'm significantly less enthusiastic about because this is just not my genre, Tekken 8. It's out now. You're probably playing it right now. You're probably like, Jesse, I'm playing as that that one bear from Tekken. And I'm like, good for you. Tekken's a long-standing franchise. I know people love it. This must be a very exciting moment for the Tekken fandom. Uh, but much like how I'm not going to sit here and lie to you about my feelings of Aura history untold, I, I, I just simply can't talk about Tekken 8, uh, and all the good that it brings to the world because I just don't care, but good for you guys, guys, we do have one, not really correction, but something from last week that was intentionally left out that we need to we need to bring up so after the developer direct last week immediately afterwards uh, there was the elder scrolls online stream update roadmap thing i don't care i didn't care then uh it's just uh, we got we got to mention that it happened at least uh you know they always tack these things on at the end of these xbox showcases we're like oh you guys liked it when we revealed indiana jones in the new halo game and you liked it when phil spencer got up and on stage and did a backflip on the forza car it's like yeah we fucking love that shit that shit's cool all right well get ready because the post game showcase is gonna have uh, a deep dive on a new update coming to Grounded or a behind the scenes look from the developers of The Elder Scrolls Online explaining update 
and all the content that comes with it. And it's like, okay. And then you watch the YouTube live viewership drop from 200,000 to like 47 people in like uh, the matter of three seconds. And it's awesome. And anyway, it's an Xbox podcast. We try to be comprehensive, at least with more of the Xbox centric stuff. In this case, Elder Scrolls Online is technically an Xbox owned game since they own Bethesda. So let's at least mention this real quick. Zenimax Online Studios revealed this year's content roadmap for ESO, including new DLC in the game's next major expansion, the Scions of Ithelia. Ithelia DLC pack will introduce two new four player dungeons. Uh, and it will release on March 11th for PC and Mac, and then on March 26th, a few weeks later, for Xbox consoles and other consoles. Uh, the DLC continues later in the story from last year's uh, Necrom chapter and follows or, or leads into the other big expansion coming out later this year, which is called Gold Road. And we don't have to get into all that, but Gold Road is going to be a big expansion for the game. That's going to be the next chapter of the game uh, of the of the story of the Elder Scrolls Online, and you can watch the trailer for it online. And oh boy, it comes out for forty dollars uh, later on June third for PC and Mac, and then on consoles on June eighteenth. So if you're a big Elder Scrolls fan, you probably already knew all that stuff, or ESO fan at least. And uh, for everyone else, yeah. Who cares? I, listen, it's cool that ESO and Fallout 76 exist and that they can do their thing. But like, yeah, I mean, the majority of us are just waiting for the next proper Elder Scrolls, the next proper Fallout. So it's cool for those that this appeals to. But let's not try and pretend like this is like a, a, a big a big thing that, you know, I mean, I guess it technically is a big thing because these games clearly have enough player base that they're that they're holding and retaining these games have bigger player bases than this show has a podcast listenership. So I guess if I care enough to do this podcast every week for you guys, maybe I should care enough to be a good, uh, a good mouthpiece for Xbox and tell you all about the latest features of elder scrolls online. And with that change in my set mindset, rather than moving on and talking about uh, pal world and halo and all the news stories we have to get to this week. Let me just really get into the nitty gritty and tell you guys all about the threads of the Necron DLC and how that leads into gold road. Because when, uh, when you explore the West Wheeland in the city of Skingrad, uh, you'll first encounter the elder scrolls, uh, for oblivion nature, magic. It's I'm, I'm literally picking out words here. Yeah. Okay. Point, point taken. No one cares. But I just want to put that out there because I, I, I know that happened last week. I didn't address it last week. I intentionally left it out because I knew we had a busy show full of other things to mention. And I, I said, we'll, we'll put it as a footnote later on. And it's later on. So here we go. All right. That leads us right into our our first big opening segment here where we talk about the mildly amusing stories, the updates, uh, the kinds of stories that are the appetizers. You know, last week we likened Xbox on to a, a restaurant and... Oh, would you look at that? The appetizers have hit the table. So let's get right into it. Guys, starting off with Windows Central, not VGC. Can you believe it? Uh, let's talk about some some changes that just came to ID at Xbox, which is pretty fucking cool, or a new initiative being spearheaded by ID at Xbox. Windows Central writes, On Wednesday, the team at ID at Xbox announced a new initiative to help highlight the best indie games on Xbox and to improve visibility to players. Starting immediately, ID at Xbox's new Indie Select program will launch dedicated channels in the game section of the Xbox dashboard and the Xbox store. These channels will feature themed collections of Xbox indie games selected by the ID at Xbox team. For example, the Featured Indies channel will showcase recently released ID at Xbox games that um, the team wholeheartedly recommends or that are not included in Game Pass 
uh, which get its own feature collection. Um, so that way you can see, oh, here's some beloved uh, indie games that are in Game Pass. Here's some beloved new indie releases that aren't in Game Pass. Um, so you can kind of filter it out. Other channels include highlights, uh, highlighting games from different parts of the world or creator voices or blah, 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 blah. So it's cool. It's it's different categories. They call it channels, but it's different categories. Uh, we don't want to get into the nitty gritty, you know, beyond that. Um, but I do want to just say I absolutely fucking love this idea so, so much. This is actually so welcome and so great in a world where it just gets worse and worse on all platforms, whether we're talking Xbox, PlayStation, Nintendo Switch, Android and iOS, uh, the Xbox store, the Steam app, whatever the case may be. Finding great games to play, discovering games, you know, you otherwise would have never come across has become such a fucking grueling, daunting task in, in the modern world because there are just so many games coming at all times. And yeah, it's easy to hop on to, to, to the Xbox store and be like, oh, there's a Suicide Squad game that's about to come out. And, oh, look, a new Yakuza game just came out this week. And it's like, yeah, of course, you're going to find those big heavy hitters. And then, you know, there's going to be the things Xbox pushes because they just came to Game Pass. And maybe sometimes one of those games might be an indie game or something like that, you know, like a Nobody Saves the World or something like that. Or maybe, I don't know, Pal World. And so you're going to naturally come across these types of games which is all well and good, but what about the games that are great, but don't have the word of mouth, that don't have all the bloggers and YouTubers and influencers talking about them, that don't have great discoverability because there's just so many games coming out and it's just kind of a pain in the fucking ass to keep up with this stuff otherwise. So I love the idea that they're going to take this, uh, you know, quote unquote expert panel or take their people at ID at Xbox to kind of get these curated lists and, and, and say, Hey, if you're someone who likes new games or likes indies and likes kind of getting out of your comfort zone and finding new things to play, like here's a list of games we recommend for you. If you're a game pass subscriber, you're going to get more bang for your buck out of your subscription. Here's a great list of indie games that are all included including Game Pass. If you are like, hey, I got a couple bucks to drop. Um, I'm pretty familiar with the Game Pass library right now. What's something that's not in Game Pass that I might want to check out? Here's a list for you. Or you're someone who's like, ooh, I want to play a cultural game made by a, a developer who's not of uh, of uh, American or, or European descent. And then you go and you're like, oh, look, there's that uh, game that I forgot the name of that was made by that Indian developer that won a bunch of awards a few months ago that I downloaded on my Xbox three months ago and still haven't played, but I really want to play about the kid and the cooking, and I forget the name, but it looks really good. Whatever. It'll just help you find new games to play, and I think that's actually really fucking cool. So I'm all for it. I think this is really, really awesome because I look for stuff like this. One thing I constantly uh, frequent on Xbox is the coming soon tab and the newly released tab. I, I love finding an interesting looking indie game for like five, seven, eight dollars, whatever. And be like, oh, what's this? Another twin stick shooter? I like twin stick shooters. Okay, let me let me buy this or or a little uh space shooter or something like that. Like let, let me buy this. I want to give it a try. And I found a lot of cool games doing things like that. Games that, you know, maybe you only spend an hour or two or maybe maybe five with and you're like, hey, that was a pretty fucking cool game. But Lots of good games go unheard of. Like I'm just looking through um, games that have recently been played on my Xbox based on my achievements data. And like, here are some games that I feel like don't get a whole lot of conversation, but, and maybe aren't super discoverable, uh, but definitely deserve some more attention. Like here we go from space. I played that through game pass. That's, that was pretty interesting, but we, it wasn't couch co-op. So we had to stop playing it, but it was a cool game. Nonetheless, um, Pumpkin Jack a few years ago that came out. Um, my girlfriend recently played it, so it's at the top of my achievements list, but that game is super incredible. Definitely flew under the radar. If you like 
PS2 style uh, character platformers and you love Halloween, that's a must play game. Uh, definitely flew under the radar. Arcade Paradise is another Game Pass uh, indie game that I play that's really fucking zen and fun to play um, that didn't get a whole lot of talk behind it. Slayer X is a crazy fucking early PC looking Doom knockoff that I liked a lot. So just a lot of these kinds of games where it's like, you know, for me, a lot of it's Game Pass because the past couple months I just haven't been uh, spending money. I've been trying very, very much to be a good boy. So that's a lot of this ends up being Game Pass stuff. But again, these are games that don't really get, oh, no straight roads. That's a game that I never heard anything about. I, I discovered that game because Spotify recommended this soundtrack to me and the soundtrack's fucking awesome. And that's how I discovered the game. Um, I couldn't even find it on my Xbox. Slipstream is one of those games. It's an excellent uh, arcade Sega inspired uh, racer game. That's super fucking good. So it goes on and on and on. But like the, the fact that there's going to be new channels and recommended feeds to try and like find these kinds of games for you, I think is awesome. How, sifting through all the, the myriad of bullshit that exists on these uh, video game sto- digital storefronts and saying like hey we we played a hundred shitty indie games so you don't have to here are five or ten that we really think you might be interested in and i think that's just really fucking cool and being able to hopefully break it up by genre and where the developers are from and and what's in game pass and what isn't in game pass should offer a lot of good ways to filter through and find some unique and awesome games so i just i don't know i'm I'm going on longer than we need to about this but i really do just want to give a shout out at the top because i do think this is such a perfect little quality of life improvement and these are the kinds of things i I know it sounds stupid it's like (laughs) xbox fanboy realizes his console is going multi-platform and he has no good games so now he's like grasping at straws trying to find reasons to justify being an xbox fan but i swear that's not what i'm about to say or that's that's not where what i'm about to say comes from it's just it's just genuinely speaking from the heart these are the kinds of things that like really make me love xbox is like even from all the way back to the Xbox 360 generation, which is where I'd say I really started to become super ingratiated in Xbox, which is just that the Xbox ecosystem, when compared to the other two big players in the home console space, because I just much rather play, don't bring a PC. I would just much rather play home console games or, or, or a home console as opposed to a PC. But Xbox has always just been the platform where like it's online infrastructure is the most robust. It's, it's, it's storefront, it's operating system, just navigating menus and dashboards has always been the best. It's kind of features and discoverability and just ways of interacting that ecosystem has just always been the best. I know it seems kind of silly and arbitrary, but I mean, it's it's kind of the, the difference between like, why are you on iPhone versus, you know, Android? It's like, because you get a feel for one over the other and one just kind of makes more sense. And these are the kinds of quality of life improvements and just little feels and and quirks to the Xbox experience that have always kept me there. And I know PlayStation's gotten really, really great over the years. And if you're on PlayStation five, they probably have wonderful features that Xbox doesn't have, but this is the kind of stuff that, that kind of glued me to Xbox in the first place. And part of what's helped me stick with it for so long is just, I, I, I love this shit. I built my whole digital existence on the Xbox platform because, well, let's be honest, if you were a PS3 kid until like 2011, your life fucking sucked. Your life sucked. The game sucked. The online sucked. Everything sucked. But if you were an Xbox 360 kid in those early days, you got fucking blades. You got the 2008 update. You got great infrastructure. You got great games. You got great online functionality. And this is just that that kind of stuff. The Xbox still spearheads in that in, in that way to this day. Everything from Game Pass to discoverability tools, um, customization features on the dashboard. It's just all of it kind of harmonizes and, and, and culminates in, in, in a console experience that I just prefer. That plus Halo. I guess that's kind of how I ended up on Xbox. But I don't know. These are the kinds of things that, that 
little things that make a big difference, I guess is all I should say. So shout out to the idea of Xbox team um, for, for making this happen. I very much look forward to discovering cool new games to play as a result of this, uh, this initiative. So cool. All right. Um, there is games radar put a little, like they had a little interview slash write up, um, with stoic, the developers behind Towerborn, which is a new second party game that comes to Xbox this year. Um, it is the <laughs> almost said, almost said pillars of attorney. It is the banner saga developer. Um, this is their new kind of castle crashers inspired side scrolling 2d beat em up style game that was announced last summer and is coming to Xbox series consoles and PC this year. And I just think this game looks so great. It's one of my most anticipated games of the year, probably top three, actually. I mean, we don't have, this isn't like the most robust year ever, but I don't know when outside of avowed and I don't believe Indiana Jones is coming out this year. So outside of avowed, this is probably number two or number three of my top anticipated games of, of, of the year. So I'm really looking forward to Towerborn and, and Games Radar did this little write up. They have some quotes from the de- development team and they're just talking about it. And I just want to pick out a couple little sentences from from the read that that stuck out to me and just really cemented why I care about this game so much. Because uh, it's a game that just has so much artistic flair and charm and just looks simplistic and fun. And so I encourage you to go to Games Radar, Radar to read the proper write-up, the full write-up, if you, if you care enough about this game to want to see what all's going on. But I just want to pull out a couple little lines here where they mention uh, the game is a vibrant, has vibrant world-building and customization that sits at the heart um, of it, the experience in a post-apocalyptic world where humanity has taken refuge in a fortress called the Belfry, the brief Towerborn hands-on uh, that Games Radar experienced or last year uh, revealed how the game gives the arcade beat-em-up genre a thoroughly modernized facelift, according to uh, Arnie Jorgensen, developer at, at developer developer at Stoic and co-founder and chief, chief creative officer. Uh, Towerborn has much more to do than that. They also say that Towerborn is a side-scrolling action game first and foremost, but with frantic button mashing aside, the rest of your time in the game will be spent in the Belfry or a home, as Jorgensen explains it, a colossal tall structure complete with buildings and walkways attached to the exterior, which serves as your main headquarters where players will meet between missions to check on quests, upgrade their weapons, and forge. So, I don't know. I just I, I, I was just skimming through the read because I'm, I'm eager for more information on this game. I saw this. And the reason why I want to pull this out is just because I'm so hyped about this game. I'm so looking forward to this game and just seeing this, like it, it really like cemented my, uh, my, my, it, hmm, let's put it like this. Castle crashers is one of those Xbox 360 arcade games that is so pure and so special to that genre. And, and so indicative of what made the mid to late two thousands, such a great time for video games. It is such a pure fun and creative game while also being kind of true, not, not basic, but uh, uh, having a tried and true gameplay formula. And this game, while it does try to do some, um, while it does try to do some, uh, not souls, <laughs> I almost said souls, like some roguelike elements and it has customization and, and upgrades and things like that. At the end of the day, it, it is a beat em up side scroller co-op experience. And when you look at the screenshots and you look at the video footage that we have of this game, it is, honest and pure and just a game based around fun 
And I, I, I yearn for more experiences like this in a world where every game has to be, oh, but the combat is grueling hard. Oh, but you can craft your way out of the situation. Uh, use your skill points to give yourself suave attributes that allow you to talk your way out of difficult combat scenarios. It's like, no, nah, man. Like, what really got me was what it says, aside from your arcade beat-em-up, blah, 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 blah. Wait, where does it say it? Uh, your frantic button mashing. And then it goes in to talk about the Belfry. I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I want a game that is frantic button mashing. The most recent game I can think of that had anything like that was um, that Ninja Turtles uh, game from two years ago. Shredder's Revenge, which was fucking awesome. And I just, I don't know, man. To me, games like Castle Crashers, games like what this seems like it's going to be Towerborn, um, it is it is the video game equivalent. It's like right up there with like twin stick shooters and space arcade shooters and things like that. These are just classic arcade genres that I just absolutely adore especially when done right with, with really compelling art styles and, and just fun character design and, and co-op and all the zaniness. Um, to me, games like this are the video game equivalent to like punk rock music where like, you know, we all, you know, a lot of people like, like punk rock or like hip hop, which in, in my opinion is very much a, a sub, you know, a spit, a, an alternate route of like punk rock. It comes from the same place in a person's life where, you know, it's like that kind of music. That's like, it's rough around the edges. Anyone who doesn't know a goddamn thing about music could write this shit, but there's still something about it where it's so raw. It's so emotion filled. It's so powerful that we all can't help, but love it. You know, it's like fucking punk rock and old school hip hop and stuff like that's, that's like, you know, all, all these blues inspired genres. This is like the heart of what makes music great. And I feel like, these kinds of games have that energy like equivalency for for the the medium of video games where it's like sure we can we all grow up and we start to you know appreciate more cleanly well produced professional music and we all get a more nuanced interpretation of the music we like and why we like it and then maybe get into more sophisticated and cleaned up genres and things like that but at the end of the day you know no matter how much you like listening to I don't know what's what's what do people listen to today. No matter how much you like your fucking EDM pop music, there's always uh there's always the, those days or those drives home those, those drive home those drives home or whatever those scenarios where you put on some fucking punk rock music and, and and the Ramones do it for you. You know, it's just a good day to go home and listen to whatever the hell some some Dookie by Green Day or something like that, right? So I I don't know. To me that that's what that's what these um. That's what these kinds of video games are to me. And it's like, yeah, I'm looking forward to that. I'm looking forward to building out my character and exploring the world and all the choices I get to make and all the all that. You know, I'm looking forward to that. It's going to be great. I'm looking forward to Indiana Jones where it's going to have super high production quality and super cinematic uh, set piece moments. And, and it's going to be a absolute blockbuster AAA behemoth of a game. And that's all well and good. I can't wait for all that stuff. But Towerborn is going to be that fucking three power chord rough as hell guy can't sing to save his life blast it all the way on the on the drive home and scream at the top of your lungs kind of game where it's just going to be a fucking fun experience you're going to sit down your your whole world's not going to be shook you're not going to be a different man when you come out on the other side of playing towerborn but you're going to go goddamn that was a fun game and I am always looking for a game like that. I, 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 between talking about towerborn and this new idea at Xbox discoverability tool I feel like you know, I'm, I'm all about I'm all about the smaller, more casual kind of arcadey games today. We're talking about the indies. We're talking about the smaller, smaller games. We're talking about not necessarily the the blockbusters, and that's okay. It's okay. We're getting a Transformers game in a couple of years. That will be fun. But in the meantime, <laughs> enjoy enjoy some Towerborn. <laughs>
Uh, I, I am looking for an update on that Transformers game. What the fuck's going on with that? All right, let's move on with our lives. Uh, Gears of War, speaking of games that are pure fun, uh, Cliff Blazinski talks about that Gears of War movie that everyone in the eighth grade lunchroom used to, you know, murmur and rumor about that never actually fucking came out. So here's from Windows Central. Here's the write-up. Ever wonder what happened to that movie all those years ago? Well, it might have happened, and it might have been rated PG-13. So Cliff Blazinski, the creator, the daddy of the Gears of War franchise, uh, was speaking on the Xbox Expansion podcast uh, with host Luke Lore. Uh, and uh, Blazinski was talking about a number of topics as his role as CEO of um, Boss Key Productions and when he worked at Epic Games and all that. And he talked about trying to get that Gears of War movie off the ground that never actually happened. Uh, New Line Cinemas first first purchased the rights to the uh, Gears of War movie back in 07. Blazinski points out a number of studio names attached to the, to the film at the time uh, being a problem keeping pre-production bogged down. And he adds, he said, quote, if it was just legendary, we could have made the movie happen, but people wanted to see a chainsaw. They wanted to see a locust getting cut in half, and it, and that would have had to make it an R rating. Uh, he says the executives wanted to make the movie PG-13, and, and he said, no, screw you guys. So Blazinski goes on and on to talk about the success of The Last of Us HBO series, the Mario movie, and things like that, talking about how in modernity, um, Hollywood's, I, you know, Hollywood has warmed up to doing video game uh, movie and TV show adaptations properly and how maybe the times have changed, blah, 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 blah. So maybe now would be a better time, but that is why that movie never happened. And then just as a reminder, we are getting a Gears of War animated TV show, but it's going to be a Netflix show. They announced that like a year or two ago and uh, knowing Netflix, it will be good, not great, but Hey, I love the idea of an animated, you know, if you're going to do a Gears of War series, you're not going to put like serious fucking like top of line uh, blockbuster summer movie kind of money into it. I love the idea of making it a, uh, an animated TV show. So I'm, I'm all for that Netflix. You come out with almost nothing worth a damn, but I will watch your gears war TV show when that happens. Um, wonder if we'll get an update on that this year. That should, that should happen. Right. But yeah, this is a, this is, this is interesting because it's like, it's cool to see him speak on this because I just remember in middle school in particular, like when gears of war was at its height, like around gears, two, I think gears two came out when I was in eighth grade or something like that. I just remember it being a topic of discussion, like in lunchroom, in the lunchroom and like at gym and stuff where like all the guys would be talking about gears of war, gears of war, this. And I just remember everyone be like, Oh, they're going to make a gears of war movie. They're going to make a halo movie. They're going to get a gears of war movie. They're going to get a halo movie. Dude. Can you imagine if 2020, what year is it? 2024, Jesse went back in time to 2008 or whatever it was and was like, all right, lunchroom boys, I got a sad update for you. The Gears of War movie, it never actually happened. Oh, well, that's not everything. That Halo movie, well, it was a TV show. We did get it. It did happen. Yay! Yeah, we saw Master Chief's ass cheeks and he fucked an alien. No! Yep, yep, kids, unfortunately... This is why <laughs> this is why you should fucking kill yourselves now and not uh, get old enough to find out that everything's a disappointment in that. Uh, I don't know. <laughs> it's, it's it's dude. That's fucking sad. I, I almost just wish none of this ever happened. Can we just I know people like the Mario movie and The Last of Us is a great TV show. And I don't want to take that away from anyone. And hell, even I'm pleasantly surprised with how not terrible the Sonic movies are. But, like, for the love of Christ, that sounds so depressing. <laughs> but, hey, there's Cliff Blazinski uh, saying the thing that's not surprising to learn. But, you know, maybe anyone with half a brain cell could have could have figured this out. But uh, 
studio interference ruined a video game adaptation uh, for for a movie. Absolutely mind fucked. I can't I can't imagine some asshole at some Hollywood studio who doesn't understand a goddamn thing about video games didn't understand how to do a Gears of War movie. So I mean, in, in the world of of Deadpool and Logan and The Last of Us, you know where where it's okay for PG thirteen things to be rated R and it's okay for video game uh, stories to be good on the silver screen. I, I think I think we could do a good Gears of War movie. But that being said. That animated show sounds pretty enticing, so at least we're getting that. Um, God, I never want to time travel and meet younger me and my classmates because, oh my God, can you imagine everything? Well, kids, you know how you love getting on Call of Duty Modern Warfare 2 and <laughs> threatening to uh, <laughs> threatening to fuck strangers' mothers? Well, in 2017, there's going to be a little thing called the Me Too movement, and I'll, I'll just say this. You don't want to threaten to fuck someone's mom. Trust me, it's just it's just not a good show. If any of you end up even being remotely relevant, I'm talking like 50,000 YouTube subscribers, you could be in for a world of hurt. So let me just tell you this right now. If you get into an alteration, a, a verbal alter, altercation on, on, the, on the Xbox Live, I'm going to recommend you just sign off. Maybe add a fucking Ukrainian flag to your bio so no one suspects a goddamn thing. And you'll be just, you'll be, you'll be just fine, okay, kid? <laughs> Oh man, <laughs> growing up sucks. Oh, also Xbox is gonna fail uh, spectacularly while PlayStation outsells it three to one, and people are gonna say Starfield sucks even though it's really good. All right, let's stop being an asshole. Moving on, one more quick one before we uh, move into the what I've been playing and the in the news at, at large. Um, not much to say about this. I, again, I just want to throw this out there. It exists. Go watch it. Listen to it if you like to. But. Uh, after last last week's de- um, developer direct, uh, the Xbox official Xbox podcast thing did like a little twenty five minute podcast slash YouTube video uh, where they they take the exact same footage we we got from the developer direct of Avowed and went a little more in depth with it with game director Carrie Patel and gameplay director Gabe uh, Par- Paramo uh, Par- Paramo Paramo. And uh, they, they kind of talk more and more about um, what all they're doing. So if you just want basically an extended deep dive, more developer commentary on what this game is shaping up to be, you can go watch that. I don't care. I'm, I'm, I'm tapped out. I don't need more developers telling me about what an honor it is to work on a video game. I know Avowed looks excellent. I know I want to play this game. I know I am appreciative of what the team has done to put this game together. And I don't need to listen to 25 minutes of uh, beating around the bush when I can just... Stay in the dark, wait for the game to come out, enjoy it for what it is, and move on with my life. So uh, if you are interested in more content like this, it's out there. I like I appreciate that they do stuff like this for those that want it, but um there's not there's no there's no new gameplay footage, it's just commentary, so just be warned. Alright. Um that's it. That's it for all of our opening little news segments is stories. Uh, it's one segment with multiple stories. Please get it right, Jesse. Now we'll move on to the games I've been playing this week. But before I can tell you about the games I've been playing this past week, and you can guess we're going to talk about Power World a little bit, um, I first got to tell you about what I've been eating because I need to gain the strength and the energy and the stamina to discuss Power World with you guys. So first we are going to talk about the what I've been eating. And guys, I'm cheating a whole lot right now. I'm cheating like crazy because I'm supposed to be talking about what I've been eating, but I keep copying out. I'm like, mm, do you guys like jelly beans? Uh, I can't eat jelly beans because I'm on a diet, but... Here we are again, right? Because I'm, I'm counting the calories. I'm being a good boy. 
and and I'm I'm just fucking jonesing for some Buffalo wings. Let me in traditional Xbox on podcast. Let's roll back a little bit. Let me give you all the unnecessary background information that you do not need whatsoever because it's what we do. But girlfriend recently got uh, a, a role change at work, thankfully. And with that came for the first time in like a million fucking years, she's working a normal schedule. So this is really exciting news for us because she doesn't work till late at night now. So when I get home from work, she's pretty much done with work for the day. And it's like the relationships and the families you see in the movies where like mom and dad have some fucking free time after work. So it's pretty fucking cool. Really excited about it. Really stoked about it. And the reason I bring this up is because I was like, damn, for as long as we've lived in Florida, for as long as we've lived here on our own, trying to do this thing, it's either been a, you're working till like late at night. So we can't do a goddamn thing on a weekday. B podcast night. So I can't do shit or C global pandemic. And we can't do a goddamn thing. So I'm like, it just feels weird. That's like now on a, on a, on a weekday, on a Monday through Friday. So long as it's not Wednesday night when I'm doing the podcast, ostensibly, you know, I could come home from work. You're off work. We could, we could pop on over to Epcot for the night. We could go, uh, we could go ride living with the land and cry at how great Disney Imagineering used to be. We could go, to fucking the Taco Bell drive through and say, I'll take one of everything. I'm not driving home tonight. Uh, we could go for a walk. We could go for a very long walk and talk about our feelings. I don't know. Sky's the fucking limits. We got free time now. But at the same time, I, I realize that this is an opportunity not to go spend more money and be frivolous with my health, but an opportunity to demonstrate to myself that I am disciplined and that I can follow the plan that is set in place. So, Immediately, my mind goes, oh, when I get home, she's off work. Let's go to Buffalo Wild Wings. (laughs) Oh, when I get home, she's off work. Let's go to TGI Fridays. And I convinced her to do it. I thought it was going to be hard to convince her, but she was actually open to it. I was like, oh, hey, babe, did you know that uh, every Monday from 5 p.m. to close, TGI Fridays does 50-cent chicken wings and $2 uh, Miller High Lifes, even though we don't drink beer? And she's like, oh, really? 50, 50 cent chicken wings. That sounds interesting. I'm like, oh, wait, really? You'd be interested in going to TGI Friday? And then I was like, okay, well, I know you don't like TGI Fridays because you think the atmosphere is a little depressing, but did you know that every Tuesday night, Buffalo Wild Wings does 50% off traditional wings? So if you get boned in wings, it's half off. And she's like, oh, I'd be up for that. I'm like, oh, really? We could like go to Buffalo Wild Wings on like a Tuesday after work and like eat wings for 50% off? She's like, yeah, maybe like one of these weeks, like if you want to, like, you know, take a night off cooking. I was like, oh, okay. And the reason why this is such a disappointing what I've been eating is because I'm not here to tell you that. What, what I want to tell you, what an older Jesse, what a, what a previous version of myself would have wanted to do is say, guys, well, I did it. One week I went to TGI on a Monday, and the next week I went to Buffalo Wild Wing on a Tuesday, and I tried both of their wings discount deals, and I'm here to tell you which one's the best. Normally that that's what I'd be doing right now, but... I said to myself, you're a grown-ass adult. Your health doesn't take into account uh, what you want to do. It only takes into account what you actually do to it. And and you got to be careful about the, 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 the sugars and the fats and the oils and the triglycerides and the contents of the, of the character of the chicken. And so I said, we could do that, but let's just stay home and cook. And so, uh, yeah, I think this past Monday night we had, uh, well, it wasn't super healthy, but we had ravioli, but... You know, we made our own pasta sauce, and then tonight we had salmon. So, uh, 
It's, listen, it's disappointing. It's sad, but this is being an adult, right? It's doing the things you have to do even when you don't want to do them. You ever heard that before? Okay. So here's the thing. TGI Fridays for all of you who, who need to know. 50 cent chicken wings. I'm talking 10 chicken wings for five bucks on a Monday night. This is unreal. I don't know how this is happening. I don't know how TGI Friday is not out of business with this information. Buffalo Wild Wings, Tuesday nights. Monday night football is over. Fuck you. We got half off wings on a Tuesday. How'd you like that? Um, at some point, I do plan on maybe trying one or two of these over time, but I'm just trying to be, I'm just trying to be a good boy. Don't spend money where you don't need to. Don't eat out when you can eat at home. Put spinach on your food. That kind of thing. You know know what I'm saying? So anyway, that's what I've been theoretically eating. But, you know, this is good. It's a a discipline exercise. I can be proud of myself. I had salmon tonight. I had green beans tonight. So that means this weekend, if I happen to eat, you know, if I happen to trip and fall into a Buffalo Wild Wings, can you blame me? But the the wings won't be half off. So we got to figure that out. There's some kinks in the in the thing we got to work it out figure it out all right that's it for what i've been uh, hypothetically eating let me know what you guys think would you rather pay 50 cents a chicken wing and have to eat wings at tgi fridays or go to buffalo wild wing where everything's half off i was a little surprised i asked a little survey kind of about this where i i said overall which do you prefer tgi fridays or buffalo wild wings normally i would say tgi fridays it's kind of my home um, but I was kind of surprised. I thought everyone was going to say Buffalo Wild Wing because I know a lot of the people that listen to this show that engage with the food content. I know a lot of you guys are beer drinkers. we got a lot of football fans out there. I thought sports bar. Oh, fuck yeah. Buffalo Wild Wing is going to kill this, right? We're going to get all the all, all the sports bar fans piling on Buffalo Wild Wings. I was surprised to see how many of you voted TGI Fridays and made it the winner. So uh, deep respect. I'd fist bump you all if I could, but I'm many miles away from you right now. So... Yeah, so Buffalo Wild Wings, you you suck compared to TGI Fridays, apparently. Although, I've been on a Buffalo Wild Wing kick lately. I haven't been, but I've been wanting to go because I've been trying to, I've been trying to follow football this season. I'm trying to be a little more open-minded and, and just be more... I'm trying to give things a try that I've historically not liked. I've always been like an anti-football person. I'm like, I don't want to be that person. That person, you know... I don't want to be any more negative than I already am. You know, like I'm already so spiteful towards like Harry Potter and shit. It's like, let me just try to find other things. I think I don't like give them a really fair shake and see if maybe I do secretly like it. So, you know, I feel like a really good way to watch more football and expose myself to more football would be to do it in an environment where I could consume chicken wings. Cause that might build a positive association. Although I will say I've been watching a lot of football lately on my own accord. I have ESPN plus thanks to my Disney Hulu bundle just so happened to have it and i didn't realize i could get like all nf all nhl games on there too so that's pretty cool but i've been trying to watch a lot of football just to expose myself to it gotta admit don't want to admit here i am admitting it i somewhat get the appeal football is pretty fun i've been following it i'm just blindly going for the tampa bay buccaneers because I'm i'm a Rays fan so might as well just keep it with tampa gotta say they lost the other day i couldn't watch the game it wasn't on ESPN Plus, so I don't have feelings about it. Anyway, I watched the Ravens game, though. That was that was fun. Let's move on. Here's what I've been playing, guys. Video games. Not football. Not chicken wings. Not anything else. Let's talk about video games. The cold, hard facts of life. I'll touch on the first one real quick before we get into Power World, because that's what we're really all here for. But Batman Arkham Knight. Yes, I finished the first two games. I'm in Batman Arkham Knight. I only played the first two hours of the game or so, so I'm not super into it. It's far into it yet. But I must say, Batman Arkham Knight is the evolution that I expected Arkham City to be. 
um, but it wasn't. You know, Arkham City feels like Arkham Asylum in an open world. Arkham Knight feels like we are very removed from what Arkham Asylum was. It is very much an evolution and, and changing of the formula. And I don't mean that in a good or bad way towards any of these games so far. I like all of them. Um, I'm liking Arkham Knight a lot. It feels very next-gen. It feels very cinematic. I'm. You can totally feel that, oh, this game was made for the Xbox One and not the Xbox 360, whereas Arkham Asylum and Arkham, Arkham City, while absolute excellent games, um, you can feel it. They're, they're very much of that Xbox 360 era. So for better and for worse, I would say as well, because Xbox 360 games are just so generally so fucking pure and, and masterful. Um, but yeah, Arkham Knight, I'm really liking it. I really appreciate how, God, the game is fucking stunning. I mean, this game's from 2015. This game is, this game will be nine years old later this year. And I mean, it looks, it looks like it came out in like 2019 or something like that. Like it's, it looks beautiful. This, this is a phenomenal looking game. The particle effects, holy fuck, man, when it's raining and stuff. It just looks insane. It looks like I, I get what people are saying. Like when people are criticizing Gotham Knights when it came out, because even though I enjoy Gotham Knights, I still stand by it. I think it's a pretty fun game. Holy fuck. Arkham Knight, which came out years before Gotham Knights, way prettier game. Oh my God. It's a beautiful looking game. Um, I do remember a lot of criticism about the Batmobile in Arkham Knight. I gotta say, first of all, I think the Batmobile is fucking badass. Being able to transform it into like tank mode and make like just obliterate shit the transformers fan of me loves that you're like batman then you're a tank and then you're a sports car so that's fucking awesome but i will i i do think you know only two hours into the game we'll see there does seem to be something of some valid criticism towards this game um when when people complain about just like how much time you spend in the batmobile because i'm i'm a little surprised like how big of a role it plays I feel like sometimes there are moments in the game where I'm like, okay, and now you get out of the car and you're Batman. And it's like, no, you you play with the car. The, the car goes with you. You take the car everywhere you go. The car is like a Pokemon. And it's like, okay, Batman, you can leave the fucking car in the parking lot, get in the building, go fight some bad guys. And I, I'm just surprised like how involved that mechanic seems to be constantly in the game. And I wonder if as I progress through the game, it's going to start to uh, you know, overstate's welcome a little bit. Um, not even because it's bad because the, the car combat is excellent. It's just that it's not exactly what you expect in a Batman game. And so I, I do find that interesting, but I'm already, I'm already hooked enough that nope, no problem. I'll finish this game. I'll play through it all the way to the end. Uh, no problem. It's excellent so far. It looks great. Plays great. And I'm really excited to play more combat feels so much better in Arkham Knight than it does in the previous two games. Like the Arkham city, big improvement on combat over Arkham Asylum, Arkham Knight, even bigger improvement. Like it's really, it's really cool how how much of an upgrade each one of these games feels over the previous entry, which I, I fucking love. So that's our Arkham Knight. And then the other game I've been playing this week is Pal World. So we're not going to talk about it right this second. We're actually going to move into the news, where we're going to talk all about the many Pal World stories that have been making the news this week. And within that conversation, I'll interject my thoughts and opinions because I have played very little. But some Pal World, and I have some things to say about it because I'm a little bef- I'm a little confused with this game. I don't I don't I kind of get it, but I also kind of don't understand a goddamn thing about it. So I'm excited to talk about all this. There's a lot going on with it. So let's take a quick break, get into the news, and discuss Pal World, and then and then some Halo after that. Thankfully. All right, let's jump right into Pal World, a world where pals can be co-inhabiting a world. 
So there's a bunch going on with this game. I played a little bit of it. We've got it's breaking records. It's it's there's there's controversy about possible AI usage with the development. Uh, there's issues with the Xbox version versus versus the PC version. So there's just a whole lot of mess to get into this game. So I say let's just start off by trying to read a little bit about what's going on. And then I can kind of interject with my experience and my thoughts and all that. And we'll we'll try to make a conversation out of this. Uh, all, all this mess that is Pal World. I mean, the game that is just simply like destroying right now. So, I mean, I don't even know what I'm about to read to you right now is, is accurate. These numbers have probably changed quite a bit. And, and the stats are probably more impressive now than they were last night when I wrote this or when I uh, when I sourced these these write-ups from IGN, Windows Central, um, and VGC. But, all right, let's go right from Windows Central. Power World is still somehow leapfrogging records, leaving everyone on the internet in a state of amazement. As of yesterday morning, it has reached a new peak of 1.8 million concurrent players, overtaking Counter-Strike 2's 1.8 one th so it's it, it's it's beating Counter Strike by about fifteen thousand players. Now the second most played game on Steam of all time, with its numbers surpassing only PUBG, and it has sold over five million copies thus far. Although keep in mind, Pal World is a thirty dollar game. I think on Steam is like twenty six bucks right now. There's like a little ten percent off thing with it, so it's games being sold at like twenty seven, twenty six dollars, not thirty, not sixty, not seventy. So it's just something to keep in mind. But despite that, 5 million copies in a week is mind-fucking-blowing, especially for a game that nobody had really any expectation for and kind of came out of nowhere. But while Power World is undoubtedly the biggest game of 2024, it's also undoubtedly the most controversial. Just days after its early access launch, the studio behind the game has been accused of using AI to make the game, and many have, uh, have raked it over the coals for allegedly stealing from Pokemon as well. There's been, you know, Pokemon, obviously, one of the biggest inspirations that this game has. Uh, there's been a lot said in a very short amount of time. So Windows Central has laid everything out. It's been going on so we can break it down. So shortly after the game's release, concerns around the game's uh, use of the PAL creatures um, began circulating with talks that the characters must have been, must have been AI generated. Um, and that started to kind of take off on social media. And this led to more direct claims that uh, PAL World's development itself was aided in use of AI. Uh, at the time that this article was written, though, there's no concrete evidence, and at the time of this recording for the podcast, still no actual evidence suggesting that AI has been used. Uh, however, in a series of tweets last year, Pocket Pair CEO, Pocket Pair, the developer of Power World, the CEO, uh, Takura Mizobi, appeared to express an interest in AI and said that it's use in game development, which, uh, which with the executive... Seemingly particularly amazed by AI generation of Pokemon um, based on posts online. So the, the CEO of the company posted about AI art and his interest in how to use it in, in video game development. But there's no official word suggesting that Power World was, was made with AI. The studio also released a game called AI Imposter Art, a multiplayer party game that prominently features generative AI in late 2022. So there's that kind of working against it. The developer hasn't really responded directly to the accusations. However, in a recent blog post, uh, art, they say that an artist rejected 
um, from almost 100 other studios now draws most of the characters in Pal World. It's also worth noting that a little over a week into the new year and a little over a week before Pal World's release, Valve implemented a new Steam policy that requires developers to report if their game was made with AI tools. The company noted that it will also include much of your disclosure on the Steam store page for your game so customers will understand how AI is used in games that include it. So no, Pal World doesn't have any clarification or any kind of indication that on Steam that shows that it was made with AI. Ultimately, no one really knows at this time where we are on that, um, but that has its own other, you know, its own freaking fire and just absolute shitstorm uh, going to blaze on the internet because of because of those accusations, because of those suspicions. Uh, IGN also reports on, well, everyone reported on this, but I pulled from IGN to go over another woe or, or series of concerns people have with the game, which surrounds the variation between the Steam and the Xbox version. The game was only released via Steam Early Access and through Xbox via Game Pass. Uh, so, I mean, you could buy it as well, but yeah, it's on, it's on Xbox and Steam, and it's an Early Access title. Um, but as IGN notes, with the Xbox version of Smash Hit Power World lagging behind the Steam version in terms of updates and features, developer Pocket Pair has moved on to explain what's going on between the two versions. Writing in the Discord server for Pocket for Power World, the development community manager Bucky moved in to clarify that a common misconception after Xbox players suggested that they were playing an older build of the game is that when players join the game on Steam, they're able to play up to 32 players. But on window, but on Xbox and Windows PC, everyone playing through Game Pass, people have to play in these two to four player online co-op sessions. There's no current support for crossplay, and that is because the two versions of the game are different. They are not the exact same version of the game. Bucky says that this is to say that Steam version 1.2 and Xbox version 1.2 are not the same thing. There seems to be some confusion that the Steam and Xbox versions have lack of feature parity because the Xbox is missing features, but that's not true. It's just that it is a different version of the game, which I think is kind of like some some bullshit to kind of say that, but whatever. Uh, he's saying it's not an older build, it's just a different version of the game. He says, in fact, Steam and Xbox will likely never have identical version numbers until the games are brought to be cross-play, uh, which is something that they will be looking at to do internally. Now, I think after this, this, um, after this went live, uh, earlier today, actually, as the day I'm recording this, Pal World's official Twitter page posted a, a roadmap for what they plan to do with the game, saying that they are looking to eventually add, well, a- add features to the Xbox version and fix it, but init- eventually the, the end goal is to add Steam and Xbox crossplay. So that that explains a lot. I didn't know that part of the story until later because I naturally played the game on Xbox. And yes, I must confirm and confess as well um, that the Xbox version of this game looks and runs like shit, okay? The worst thing about this game um, playing on Xbox is the audio. The audio sounds like ass. The audio sounds like it's ripped from like an N64 game or like it's muffled out of someone's phone coming out of their pocket or something. The audio in this game is very, very dog shit. (laughs) Like, I, I can excuse like, you know medium to whatever graphics like i'm not a graphics horror especially in like games like this that aren't meant to be the most triple a high fidelity games ever but like the just how bad the audio in this game is 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 just dumbfounding and there are a lot of things that are different they talk about load screens being really bad and like on the xbox version crafting takes a lot longer than the pc version but regardless of all that 
The game has sold well over 5 million copies. Uh, it's selling faster than Pokemon Legends apparently sold. Yeah, so, or actually, okay, here it is. I'm looking at this now. 7 million copies. So 5 million copies is, is old news. That was after three days. After five days, it's at 7 million copies. So it's outselling Pokemon Legends Arceus, which is notable because Pokemon Legends Arceus, being a huge hit that it was, uh, came out around this time two years ago, um, was really notable because it was like kind of the first Pokemon game in a long-ass time to really be willing to change the formula and, and interpret Pokemon in a different way. And I think that is that that sentiment is what is at the core of Power World's success, which is that it appeals to anyone and everyone who's ever been like, hey, I like Pokemon, but wouldn't it be nice if Pokemon just did something different, if it wasn't just the same fucking game rehashed time and time again? And I, and I say that as someone who has played every Pokemon from... The, the original Pokemon Red and Blue, all the way through Sun and Moon, which were 3DS games. So I, I would say I'm fairly qualified to talk on Pokemon. No, I haven't played any of the Switch Pokemon, so I didn't play Hey You Pikachu number two or fucking Ruby Red Remake Edition, or I didn't play Arceus, although I came pretty close to playing Arceus because I, I, I still want to try that game one day. I think I'm pretty interested in it. And I didn't play, what are the, what are the new ones? I almost said X and Y, but those I played those on 3DS. The new ones are... I don't know what the fuck they're called. Y and Z, square and triangle. I, I'm not being cute. Oh, oh, sword and shield. I, I knew I knew the names. Sword and shield. I didn't play sword and shield. Um, so I haven't played the absolute most recent ones. But I mean, Sun and Moon came out in what 2017, 2018, one of those years. Like, and I played those. I played what did I play? I played Sun. Yeah, I played Sun in 2017, 2018, whenever it came out. So I, I would say, damn, was that 2017? That came out the year that that the Switch came out. 16 holy fuck that was 2016 man i remember playing that on marta end of 2016 november 2016 so yeah that was the last time i played every pokemon game in the main series up through 2016 i would say i'm pretty qualified to speak on this the one thing anyone has ever wanted ever from pokemon was just for them to fucking evolve the series because pokemon was one of those games where it was so awesome during the game boy and game Boy color and even i'd say even the ds years like i remember being in like sixth grade playing pokemon uh diamond which is still my favorite pokemon game actually and i remember it, it had like that top down kind of 3d but it was still pretty much a pokemon game um and and just being like we're getting there like they're they're slowly building towards a future where pokemon is like this big open world maybe maybe living online MMO style RPG where the, the combat is more action oriented. It's not all turn-based and it's like, you know, your, your mind when you're a kid and you're playing Pokemon just fills in the blanks of like what you hope and aspire for Pokemon to evolve into. And I think the Pokemon company so lazily just never even dared to let this series evolve beyond what it was. I mean, especially by the time you hit the 3DS years with like Omega Ruby and, um, and, um, and yeah, and like sun and moon and all that shit. Like it's, it's X and Y that, that, that was 3DS X, X and Y. Cause I know I played X, um, uh, like that's in my opinion, that's inexcusable how, how long they let Pokemon go on for without, without ever really evolving in any way. And, and they always tease us with it. Cause I remember as a kid, like playing like, Oh, Pokemon stadium. Oh, Pokemon XD Gale of darkness. Oh, Pokemon Coliseum. Like, this is it. This is the motherfucking game. Look at it. The graphics are 3d. The combat's, like, it's different. It's a little more like, you know, it's a little more like what PlayStation 2 and Xbox have. Like, this is this is it. Pokemon is evolving, you know? No pun intended. And 
It was never that. It was never that. That was never the situation. Even though, like, uh, like I loved Pokemon Coliseum. I loved Pokemon um, Stadium 1 and 2. I remember playing those games. But it's like, we always got that bullshit where it was like, it's kind of like what you want Pokemon to be, but not really. You know, it's it's a spin-off game. It's not the real game. Or you got something, like, even worse where it was like the Pokemon. What was the one where you played as the Pokemon on, on the Game Boy Advance? It was like... Uh, fucking, what were those games called? Pokemon. I, I, I'm not gonna remember the names, but you like played as the as the actual Pokemon themselves. Um, they were kind of like, weren't they like dungeon crawler like? I don't remember. And then like, you know, they had like the Hey You Pikachu and Pokemon Snap and all that shit, and like Pokemon Pinball. And it's like, don't get me wrong, there's a place for all those games. They're all fine. Nothing against any of those games, but it's like, man, for so goddamn long. They just yanked their chain and knew what we wanted and held it over our heads with these with these spin-off games that sometimes have some of those features we kind of want. You're like, oh, this game has action-based combat. This game has 3D character models. But we're never going to actually make a traditional Pokemon game that is all of those things combined because we're always going to make the same lazy fucking baby's first RPG, old-school like Final Fantasy Dragon Quest-style, press A, 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 attack, you know, whatever, mind-numbingly dumb RPG and it sucks because, like, I mean, you look at, like, the other RPGs that came up in the NES and SNES days and the Game Boy Advance and in Game Boy Color days and stuff. And it's like, I don't know, like, you look at, like, Final Fantasy games and Dragon Quest games, and those games did evolve, especially things like, like, most modern Japanese role-playing games where you don't, you know, you play Kingdom Hearts or Final Fantasy or whatever or Tales of game or, or, or like, I played Scarlet Nexus. That was the most recent JRPG game I played. And it's fucking awesome because those games grew the fuck up and realized I don't want to sit there and sort through my menus and like, mm, do I want to add a buff or, or ooh, I think I'm going to use surf on this bad guy. It's like, no, I want to fucking slash my sword. I want to dodge attacks. I want it to be action based in the moment combat. Not to say that there's not a time and place for turn based shit, but like that, that I don't know. I'm, I'm going on and on because Pokemon's great. Like we all love Pokemon. We all grew up on Pokemon, but the Pokemon company ha- have been so beyond lazy with allowing game freak for all these years to just make these absolute safe softball fucking milk toast Pokemon games again and again and again. And I understand the criticism like, Hey, aside from like the man children that stuck with Pokemon after all the years, these years, like myself, Pokemon is also, you know, every time a new Pokemon game comes out, it's also trying to be the first time, you know, the, the first Pokemon game for a new generation. So kids are getting into it for the first time, whatever. It's like, that's great. Doesn't mean you can't be what we need Pokemon to evolve into. We need that online play. We need that connected universe where you can get with your friends online and live in a living and exist in a living, breathing Pokemon world and have action oriented combat and have dynamic storytelling that isn't the same dog shit over and over again where you're the kid from the small town, you beat the seven gyms, and congratulations, you're the Pokemon master. Like, we, we need to go on beyond that. And I'm going long in the tooth, but it's because that's why Power World's big. Because Power World is like, hey, aren't you, are, are you a frustrated 30-year-old man who grew up loving Pokemon and saying, God damn, I wish they'd stop being so fucking lazy and do something else with this franchise? Yes. Did all 8.6 trillion of you just raise your hands and say yes? Okay. Well, here's that Pokemon game. Also, it's Zelda Breath of the Wild. Also, it's Minecraft. Also, there's guns in it. Also, you can enslave humans and put them in concentration camps. Okay, sold. That game sounds fucking cool. Everyone's like, yeah, I'll play that I'll yeah, I'll take a Pokeball and throw it at a human goddamn breathing person with a family and a college degree and say, you work for me now? Like, why wouldn't you play that game? That sounds fucking badass. And yeah, you can give 
knock off Pikachu a turret and say, you're a gunner now, motherfucker. It's like, okay, that's, that's pretty fucking badass. Like, yeah, of course. And so, I mean, it's not rocket science. It's like you do all that. And it's like, yeah, I'll play that game. And then on top of that, there's also the intrigue and the mystery because I think a lot of people look at this and go, this character art style is so painfully, obviously, similar to Pokemon. Such a close comparison, such a close knockoff that I think a lot of people are intrigued by it. They're like, I want to get in on this game before before Nintendo shuts it down. I want to I want to be a part of this before like something happens and it all blows up because this game can't be long for this world. I mean, we'll get into the AI thing in a minute, but like... I don't know, man. There's just there's a lot of angles to go in at this game with, and and I will say after having played a little bit of it, I only played maybe an hour and a half. The game sucks on Xbox. I don't know. Maybe it's much better on Steam. On Xbox, it sucks ass. I didn't realize how much of a um, crafting game, like survival crafting game, it was. This game, I, I will say, if you're gonna criticize it for its copying a Pokemon, it has a lot more to do with the creatures and nothing else. Because if this game is like any other game I've ever played before, it's like Minecraft. It's like Ark Survival. It's like that kind of shit. It's 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 hell. It's more Fortnite than it is Pokemon at this point. I mean, it's like, all right, you wanna you wanna make it through the night? Build a fucking build a mini mansion. You gotta go build a house for yourself. Oh, go craft ores. Go craft wood. Go capture a Pokemon and use its Poketeers to fucking uh, construct this. Now you got a skill point. Now you want to add that skill point to your, uh, your, your build time. So you can improve that. Now you're hungry and you got to eat. And it's very breath of the wild. Like the sounds it makes and the little text fonts in the world. And the fact that you got your little mana meter when you run and you climb walls and shit and you run out, it's like borderline beat for beat breath of the wild with like how the game starts out and how the environments look and, and all that, how you move around the world. So it's, it's, it's copying something between like Ark Survival and Zelda Breath of the Wild a lot harder than it's copying Pokemon. But yes, you you have these knockoff Pokeballs and you catch these knockoff Pokemon, Pokemon um, and then you can do stuff with them. You can throw them around and make them fight with you and do stuff for you and ha- use special skills and help you uh, maneuver places and stuff. And it's cool. You can get guns and you can give the guns to the Pokemon and all that stuff. And I, again, I get the appeal. I think the game takes way too long to pick up and be fun. And so that's why it lost me instantly. But I'm so curious about the just profound success that the game is experiencing and the possibility that this game might go away soon. So I absolutely plan on playing more of it because I'm going to force myself to get a little further and see a little more of what the game has to offer. Not because I'm enjoying it, because I'm really not, but because I'm just that I'm that curious about what this game is and how the fuck this happened. Um, And I think, honestly... If it weren't for the fact that the characters look so much like Pokemon, I think this game would be absolutely fine and wouldn't have, you know, I don't think Nintendo or anyone would have, you know, legal illegal standing whatsoever uh, trying to take this game to court. And now Nintendo hasn't said or done anything yet. Uh, I heard a funny joke, though, that was like, they're just waiting for the game to make enough money so that they're worth pursuing, <laughs> which is, I mean, I think they, 7 million copies, I think they're there, but... All joking aside, it is kind of surprising that Nintendo hasn't attacked him yet. I, I think they will, because while I don't necessarily believe, oh yeah, for sure this game was made with AI, I wouldn't be surprised to figure out that they used AI for the art, not because the developer has a history of saying, like, oh, we like AI, and we have a project where we used AI, but because like these Pokemon look like spitting images of other Pokemon, like the, these Palmon, they are... 
they are literally just Pokemon ripoffs. Like they have these, uh, like in the trailer, they show these these little flying little orca whale Pokemon that look like Latios and Latias from the from the Ruby and Sapphire series, and they got like the fucking little cat Pokemon that looks like Meowth and the little penguin Pokemon that looks like Piplup and all that shit. And like, it's, it's Pokemon. It's it, they, that one Pokemon that looks just like Lucario, but he's kind of like Egyptian instead. Like it's, it's a direct, like in the most, in the most like obvious and blatant way possible, how, how knockoff the artwork of these Pokemon is. Cause really aside from that, I, I don't think there's much to, for Nintendo to, to argue here, I mean, because at the end of the day, all games, all songs, all movies, all books, all art is is made based on, you know, the bones and the inspiration of the things that came before it. So for a game to have Pokemon inspiration, to have a mechanic similar to capturing a Pokemon or storing a monster in a Pokeball or something like that, you're, you're never going to be able to take someone to court on the, on that unless they call it a fucking Pokeball. You're never going to have like the legal grounds to to take someone to court and, and, and sue them over that because that's 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 creative free licensing. That's that's just inspiration and and and, you know, the effects of your art trickling into society and inspiring the art that comes afterwards. It's it, it is simply just the fact that the pal pal creatures in this game look like spitting images of Pokemon that I, I think they're will likely at some point soon be a lawsuit from Nintendo and they might actually win it because it's, it's that bad aside from that. Yeah. I think, I think the game is very much its own thing. And honestly, it's kind of a smart mashup. It's like, I feel like this game is doing a perfect job of like appealing to everyone from my generation and everyone from the current generation of of children and being like, you all need to play this. Literally all of you. If you grew up on Minecraft and in Fortnite, you need to play this game. If you grew up on Game Boy and Pokemon, you need to play this game. Like if you have a computer, go play this game. And I mean, this is let's not let's not fail to mention that this is a huge fucking success for Xbox. I mean, they paid to get this thing in Game Pass, which is the smartest thing they could have done, honestly. This is such a great get for Game Pass. I think so many people are going to subscribe to Game Pass and check this game out. And this is going to be a huge bolster. This is exactly the kind of third-party content Xbox needs to be scouting out to try and try and draw attention to Game Pass. Because this is this is the perfect example of a game where it's like, I don't know if I want to spend $30 on knockoff Pokemon that's all over the you know the news. But, you know, for a dollar or for $11 or for $15, you know, I might get Game Pass for a month and see what all the hubbub is about, you know, for, for 17 bucks or if they run the promotion where it's one one month for $1. Like, yeah, that would be a great reason to get in on Game Pass and check out Pal World. So I think this is the perfect game for them. Microsoft's going to make or, or garner a lot of money and subscribers based on this game's success. And it's it just it only sucks that the Xbox version is so gimped because, the you know, I didn't play the Steam version, but the only thing I can definitively speak to is the audio sucks ass. Uh, the time it takes to build and craft things is so fucking slow. It's inexcusable. And it's just it's it's not super fun. But I, I think if you don't know any better, if you don't know who the PC version's better and you just play it on Xbox because that's what you have, I think you're going to get a fine experience anyway. Um, you know, so I, I think this is again, just a really great get for game pass, obviously a huge success. It's always so fun when a game blows up out of nowhere and becomes a phenomenon. Um, I mean, that's kind of what happened to Baldur's gate three. That's kind of what happened to Elden ring, right? Like everyone expected Elden ring would do very well. It's a souls game. They're highly regarded. 
it will make its money back and, and review well. But no, it ended up being like the game of the year. And then same thing with Boulder's Gates. Like that's kind of like a nerdy niche game. Like no one really wants to play a CRPG. Um, it'll probably review well and serve its base well, but that's about it. Nope. Uh, Boulder's Gate 3, biggest game of 2023. And here we are with Power World. I don't think there's a fucking prayer of a chance. Power World is 2024's game of the year. But it is undoubtedly, you know, since Boulder's Gate 3, the first game to to be that story of just like no one's, you know, people talked about this game and it had, it had a chance of doing somewhat well when we, we saw all the trailers and teases leading up to the game's release. You're like, Oh, Pokemon guns, Pokemon guns. That sounds interesting. Oh, have you heard about Pokemon guns? So I thought it would do fine. I just didn't know it would do 7 million units in five days. Fine. I didn't know it would bolster game pass subscription numbers. I didn't know it would light the world on fire and start a huge discourse about AI and, and that kind of thing. But yeah, it's weird. I, I I don't know. I've seen a lot of the online discourse and 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 people just kind of like, oh, this today on the internet, people are just willing to fall on the fall on the sword and go to battle for Nintendo, a multi billion dollar company, uh, just because you know people are are boycotting the game and poo pooing it and trying to stop people from enjoying it because of the use. Of, I I am with those people to a certain extent. I think legally you're you know bad on you if you are using the likeness of, of Nintendo's creatures and, and characters and, and, and the Pokemon company's IP to try and make these knockoff creatures because you could make these creatures look like generic monsters that have almost no resemblance to Pokemon, and I think it would serve just about the same fucking purpose. Like, I mean, they got the same eyes as Pokemon. They got the same expressions as Pokemon. They got, like, the same little hair accents and, like, the mouths and everything, and just so many of these things. Like, these, these are direct lifts from Pokemon. So, I mean, this isn't like Yokai Watch or some shit where it's like clearly Pokemon inspired. It's like, no, this is this is just Pokemon with a different skin. This is like if in Pokemon you could buy a season pass and unlock different cosmetic items for your Pokemon, they would look like Pal World. Like that's that's how close these things are. So, I don't know, man. The game runs like shit on Xbox. They definitely need to fix that. Um, but aside from that, I mean, the game's in early access, so they're going to milk that and use that to their advantage. And I think the buzz around the game is just so big that it kind of doesn't matter right now. People just are high on Pal World, and you're either one of those Nintendo fanboys that will go to battle for a big corporation and, and defend their goodwill, um, or you're just someone who's morbidly curious and wants to see what the fucking Pokemon Guns game is like. Nonetheless, it's huge. There's controversy around it because, of course, there is. Uh, it's doing really, really well, and, it, you know, for the most relevancy on this podcast, what a great fucking get for Xbox. More stuff like this, not necessarily the controversial stuff, but more stuff like this. Have the, you know, have the right people in charge of scouting out talent for Game Pass who are able to look at games that are coming soon, indie games, and say, this is something we have to have on Game Pass. This is something that we think is going to be big. This would be a great boon for Game Pass because I'm sure they were able to get Pal World for a really good price on Game Pass, and if the developers of this game knew it was going to do even a fraction as well as it's done, they wouldn't have they wouldn't have sold the Xbox for as cheap as they did. They might not even even gotten the Game Pass at all. They might have said, "Nah, we know Xbox players will gladly buy this shit at full price. We don't need Game Pass. We'll make way more money not having it on your subscription service." So, I don't know. And this is just such a good value for Game Pass. Not only that, but this is a good value for Xbox as a whole. Xbox has 
been on the, res- the the butt end of so many deals lately with, oh, you know, Baldur's Gate 3 isn't on Xbox until like five months after it comes out. And, oh, you know, Final Fantasy 7, it was supposed to be time exclusive. Fuck you. It's just exclusive. Oh, you know, Final Fantasy 16, that's also just exclusive. Fuck you. So like, I'm not saying Pal World is more important than Baldur's Gate and Final Fantasy, but it is a good get for them to, to, to have something, you know, something that is blowing up that's huge right now. And I'm not saying I want PlayStation players to miss out on this. That sucks. But undoubtedly, it is a good look for Xbox that right now there's a, a huge game just came out. It's hot. Everyone's talking about it. Everyone's playing it. And you can get it on Xbox, but you can't get it on PlayStation. And that's Xbox needs more things like that to help, you know, bolster their their brand and make, and make it look a little sexier to be on Team Xbox. So good for them. This is this is a win all around in that regard. But yeah, oh my God, Power World guys, you got pocket pocket pals or whatever the fuck your name is. You got to fix this Xbox version because it looks and sounds like dog shit. And I don't and I don't know about the AI thing. I don't I don't really have. I, I'm not a fan of directly stealing other people's work, but I don't mind the inspiration. Like if they're if you could look at Power World and be like, oh, this is clearly inspired by Pokemon. That's fine. But yeah, I mean. If they find out, if they find out that this stuff was these character art designs were AI created, and that AI is just basically pulling resources from Pokemon and the internet to be like, oh, this is what a Pokemon should look like, then yeah, I mean, you should face the repercussions, rightfully so, for that. But man, if that if that turns out to be the case, that sucks so bad for these guys because it's like, look what you would have had. You didn't have to do that. You didn't have to steal. This game was such a big game. You didn't have to steal, and you could have been so successful without it, and now look at the trouble you're in. So hopefully that's not how that ends up going. It would be, I think it would be good for Nintendo and the Pokemon company to see that, like, hey, I know you have a strong base of people that are okay with being fed the same Pokemon game again and again and again and again. And again. I'm that way with Call of Duty, so I get it. Um, and I know that there are young kids who are always going to be like, hmm, Pokemon's cool. But, like, there are very, very many of us who are tired and jaded of the same old and would like to see Pokemon be something different. And I'm not saying you need to put a fucking revolver in Pikachu's hands, although I wouldn't complain, but I am saying take some fucking liberties with the formula. Do something, do something crazy. Um, because people like this shit and it's, it's weird, but yeah, I'll I'll get, I'll get back to it this week. Hopefully a little little bit, play, play some more of it and have some more thoughts on, on my experience with it. I want to, I want to get into it enough to really appreciate it because I feel like everyone who plays it, it's, it's not just like a, Oh my God, this is crazy. It's Pokemon with guns, but it's like people who play it are actually like, and the game is good. Like it's also a good game and I want to experience that. I want to, I want to know what that's all about. So, you know, my ongoing quest to try and be less, uh, less, less awful, less constantly judgmental and writing things off. Just try and be a little more like, open-minded about something I don't think I like. And Power World is something I certainly don't think I like, but there might be something there. So I'm, I'm stick with it for a little bit longer. So they got a roadmap. They got crazy sales. They're going to continue to support it. Good for them that they're going to get the cross-play feature between Xbox and Steam. Hopefully they can get that out before, uh, before Nintendo shuts them down, though. All right, guys. That's all the Power World stuff. Really, the only other news this week is about Halo, and I wanted to get into this because I, dude, I've been thinking a lot about Halo lately. I thought about, I had one of those, you ever have one of those silent drives where it's like, I could listen to a podcast, I could listen to music, but nah, I'm just going to have a silent drive. I'm going to have my radio off. I'm just going to, I'm going to be deep in thought. And so I spent my hour driving home today in deep thought about Halo. I was just, th- I was just thinking about it. Like, I haven't really... I feel like I've done such a good job of trying to keep Halo out of my mind since Infinite let me down and that TV show let me down where I just don't want to be that grumpy, jaded Halo fan, you know? 
So I'm just like, I'm going to just try and distance myself from Halo for a little while. And it's kind of, it's kind of weird. I haven't really acknowledged it a whole lot, but Halo really has, I mean, infinite in particular has come around for me. It's been, it's been my turn off your brain, multiplayer fun game lately. You know, like I, I've, I've fallen off call of duty a little bit, actually, ever since modern warfare three came out. And honestly, whenever there's like, Oh, I got 30 minutes to go play Xbox. You know, I'm going to just unwind a little bit before bed and, play a couple matches. Halo Infinite has been my go-to game and I'm uh I'm really pleased with what all they've done with Halo Infinite especially over the last year. I mean 2023 was a good year for Halo Infinite's comeback. So congrats to the team at 343. But uh things are changing and uh we're going to go to this VGC article to read a little bit about what all is happening in the world of Halo Infinite. So as the article reads, Halo Infinite Season 5 released last October will be the game's last season developer 343 have confirmed instead the studio is shifting to an approach uh, of an operations model starting on january 30th in which it will offer 20 tiers of free unlockable rewards every four to six weeks halo infinite's next free update operation spirit of fire will add a customization option a new map uh forge additions and more when it comes out on january 30th uh, the move away from larger, long-running seasons represents a significant change for Infinite. Speaking during a live stream on Friday, 343 Senior Community Manager John Junsek, I can never say his name right, emphasized that the company would be continuing to support Infinite in 2024. So they're not, not supporting the game, they're just shifting away from seasonal content and into more of this like event-style, operation-style content. Uh, however, he confirmed that the studio is also working on a new project, alongside the shooter or new projects alongside the shooter so halo infinite is not the only thing being worked on at 343 and it seems like a lot of this decision probably has to do with a new full steam ahead approach going into whatever this new project is quote we're making a shift in how we're approaching infinite going forward for master chief collection players this is probably very familiar sounding but a gist of it is we're no longer referring to it as seasons we're shifting away from seasons he later adds, for us here at the studio, it's going to be an exciting year for Halo. We have a dedicated team working on supporting Halo Infinite and continuing to deliver going forward. But also, yes, we have additional teams that are accelerating towards the future, working on brand new projects. And there are a lot of things cooking here. I heard, uh, what, from Mint Blitz, the Halo YouTuber. He said in the video that 343 may have staffed up um, recently to over 400 people um, right now, working on whatever the next thing is for Halo. And... Dude, if so, a couple things. That is really impressive for how short of a time they were able to get that done. And second of all, that is really irresponsible. I mean, it w wasn't the whole woe of Halo Infinite that the team was just too big, they were hiring too much contract work, not enough full-time team uh, or people, and that they just they didn't have a clear vision and just seemed like a lot of meandering about and, and, and deadlines weren't being met because it was just kind of a sloppy... I, don't you think the exp the way to go about the next Halo game is to get a team of like 200, 250 people and and have a really focused experience for the next Halo game and to try... I mean, I don't know. I, games are getting harder and harder to make than ever before, so maybe 400 is the new 200 team size. I don't fucking know. I mean, goddamn game credits are so long these days that I, I could believe it. But um, anyway, yeah, let's, let's talk about Halo for a minute. Kronky writes in and says... There was some news in the last day or two about Halo Infinite no longer doing seasons, but just having smaller operations. And all and that multiplayer, um, that all multiplayer playlists are going to be available permanently. This is a clear sign that they're scaling back development on the game. It's really sad because Infinite was a great game and the potential was there. I wonder what's next for the franchise and how some broken storytelling and disconnected game. Now that it has some broken storytelling 
uh, from disconnected games and a gutted campaign team. Well, yeah, so, I mean, here's the thing is they have a team again. It's not the same team that made Halo 4, 5, and Infinite. It's definitely not. I, I mean, and the team was shifting a lot between those three games as well, just to be fair. I mean, Josh Holmes had nothing to do with Halo Infinite and, and so on and so forth. But it's it sounds like they got a team again, and they're back at work. And at first it was kind of like, ooh, that sounds bad for Halo Infinite. And then you think about it a little longer, you're like, wait, no, that, that's a good thing. Because Matt Booty and Phil Spencer have reiterated and doubled down and affirmed many times, like, hey, we're still working on Halo. And 343 exists to do Halo games. Like, that's what they're here for. That's what they're going to continue to do. Um, and so just because, yeah, a lot of the developers are gone, they gutted the campaign team, and Bonnie Ross and Kiki Wolfkill and all these people, and Frank O'Connor and all these guys, they're gone now. But... We still have this core team, this new multiplayer lead that's in charge of 343, and we're staffing back up, and, like, they're not doing nothing. They're working on a new Halo game. Now, a lot of the rumors surrounding this is that what they're actually working on is a new Halo multiplayer-only experience that may come out as early as next year. Uh, again, this is... Uh, I, I'm getting this from Mint Blitz, the Halo YouTuber. I've been watching some of his videos, just, trying, just thinking about Halo a lot lately today. If that's the case, that's, that's, that, that, hey, that's fucking great. Work on the next Halo. The thing is, I feel like, I don't know, I, I feel a way about Halo that I think a lot of fans felt after Halo 5 that I didn't feel, because Halo 5 was such a bona fide success in my books to me that, like, I loved Halo 5, I was so happy with it, I was so excited for the next Halo, and then Halo Infinite gave me that, like, gut punch, like, oh, you fucked up, where do we go from here? feeling that so many people got from five like i thought five was great i thought maybe if they added a couple extra hours to the campaign and fleshed things out a little more added a good fight between chief and Locke and some more chief missions and play out the little like rogue spartan thing a little further like they could have made halo 5 perfect but i think the game is pretty excellent the campaign is phenomenal it plays great the multiplayer is my my favorite halo multiplayer i just think halo 5 is so good um, and I just didn't have that problem, but Halo Infinite is broken on so many levels to me. I mean, they 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 kowtowed and bitched out on the art style big time. And so now you just have this random thing in Halo where, like, Halo 4 has this new reinvented art style that's fucking badass, if you ask me. And then in Halo, Inf in Halo 5, they continue. It looks great. And then in Halo Infinite, they just fucking bitch out and go back to Halo 3's art style for no goddamn reason. The Prometheans are gone. Don't know what the fuck happened to them. Their weapons are no longer available to your arsenal. Fuck you. Okay, that makes no sense. And then on top of that, they just they they don't retcon Halo 5's campaign. In fact, they they continue it, but they just skip over all the shit that happens. Like Halo 5 ends on a cliffhanger, much like how Halo 2 ends on a cliffhanger. But instead of Halo Infinite being like Halo 3 and being a direct continuation of that story where we just left off. They just said, no, we're going to bitch out of this too. Here are a couple middle fingers. Uh, Atrox is dead and fuck you. Uh, something happened and Cortana's gone. She's dead. And here's the weapon. And here's Master Chief. And it sucks because Halo Infinite's campaign is phenomenal. The gameplay is great. The level design is great. The open world thing works. The, 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 the grappling hook is one of the most fun things in video game history. The, the, if you can try and disconnect yourself from Halo 5 and just enjoy Halo Infinite's campaign in a confined bubble. The narrative is good. It works really well. It's really good. It's, it's, it's great stuff. But then Halo Infinite ends on a cliffhanger setting up more shit and then that stuff gets retconned and canceled and, and reworked and now it's like, dude, I don't know. It's just, I, 
nothing that hasn't already been said before, right? But it's just so disappointing that that's the state that Halo was left in. And everyone at Xbox has assured us that, like, they're just going to keep trucking along. They're going to keep working on Halo. And it seems like, from what the rumors suggest, that right now the focus is on some big multiplayer thing. I think what they want to do is create a Halo multiplayer suite, a Halo multiplayer experience that is an independent experience, like Warzone is, like Fortnite is. Not to say it's a battle royale, but to say that let's create something of Halo that is disconnected from a campaign. It's not Halo 7. It's not Halo Infinite 2. It is just Halo. And it's a it's an incredible multiplayer suite that is fully fleshed out. It will launch. It'll be free to play. It will have all the modes you expect to be there. It'll have Forge. It will have Infection. It will have tons of maps. It will have Spartan ranks. It will have seasonal content there from the get. It will just be a full-fledged content complete, stem to stern, ready to go, full Halo suite. And it'll be awesome. I'll have theater mode and all the stuff that was missing from Infinite on day one. It will all be there. And because what they've proven with Halo Infinite over the past year is that Halo Infinite was a really great set of bones. And over the years, they added a lot of meat to those bones. They added a lot of fleshy skin and and, and nervous system. No. But they, they, they did a lot to Halo Infinite to make it go from being like, hey, this is a great base. Let's let's Where's the rest of the game? To like, hey, this is a great game. You know, if you're strictly talking about Halo Infinite's multiplayer, it's in a great spot. I still think the skill-based matchmaking kind of ruins it. It's a little too sweaty for my liking. But aside from that, Halo Infinite is a pretty fucking great game. And I and they know that. They know that they're that, that 343 are the right people for the job. They they know how to make great Halo. Like, it's so silly that people are like, mm, bring back Bungie or give it to someone else. I'm all for letting someone else make a Halo game. By all means, let one of the Call of Duty developers do a spinoff game. That's awesome. But if we're talking about mainline John Halo Halo games, like the 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 the, the big stuff, I, I think three four three is more fit for the job than anyone, and they've done such a great job with Infinite turning turning the thing around, and I have no doubt that if they were able to make a really robust, fully content complete, excellent Halo multiplayer experience as a brand new game, they could come out the gates and 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 show the world like Halo was still great, it's back. Let's keep it here. Let's not let the player count drop like crazy. Let's let's sustain this thing and really inject life into it or have it be this fully fully alive product and then continue to support it properly over its lifespan because the story of Halo Infinite was it came out, it was a huge success, quickly fell off, and then over time when 343 finally got their shit together, the player base started returning to Halo Infinite. And I think management at, at, at Microsoft was just like, okay, well, you botched this shit, so it's time to move on to the next thing. And I think they know now, they're like, with with how well the good stuff in Infinite was received, we know that we have what it takes to make the proper Halo game that will succeed, that will have legs, that will maintain a player base, that will keep pl- players, you know, content drop after content drop, season after season, whatever the case it may be. And um, I think that's what they're after right now. So that's awesome. So I have actually a lot of, a lot of uh, hope and and a lot of confidence that the next Halo multiplayer suite is going to be excellent. I think it will be its own thing. They're intentionally moving Infinite into more of this, like, hey, the game's a couple years old. We support it with content. It is what it is. We know we're taking the L and we're moving on. And I, I'm cool with that. I, th- I think, you know, if we're not going to get the DLC support with the campaign stuff that we were initially promised, I get it. Whatever. Let's move on. And so I'm all for this. 
I think the multiplayer will be great. But where does that leave the campaign? Because we have over 400 people allegedly working at 343 now. There's no way 400 people are working on a multiplayer suite. Especially not in today's world where every fucking video game developer is losing 30% of its staff. So someone's working on a campaign. Whether it's attached to this new multiplayer project, whether it's something else. And you know how it is. Early in development, games constantly change. It's like, oh, our original plan was this. And then it turned into that by year three. Whatever. So my guess is that we are getting a new Halo game a new Halo campaign, and a new multiplayer experience. And I think Infinite set a precedent that I'm totally cool with this, and I think it needs to happen, where Halo needs to no longer be this multiplayer campaign package that launches as one game. We don't need it to be like Halo 1, 2, 3, 4, 5. It could just be like Halo is a multiplayer experience that exists on its own, like Counter-Strike or, or Fortnite or something like that. And then Halo gets new campaigns that that launches individual games, kind of like Wolfenstein is a first-person shooter video game that does not have a multiplayer component. It is just a campaign, and that is all. And I'm fine with that. I think that's actually the perfect way to do it, especially when the model is Game Pass anyway. You know, you want people to come to Game Pass. You don't need to necessarily sell them a $70 multiplayer campaign combo package. And this way, it, it, it allows your teams to be more focused on what they're doing. Have a campaign team that focuses on making a complete, fully-fledged, properly made Halo campaign that's a standalone video game. Release that when it's ready on its own. And then have a separate team that's the multiplayer team that creates and sustains this wonderful Halo live service multiplayer platform. I think that's the way to go. It's absolutely. Now, we got to figure out what the fuck they're going to do. I'm, I'm so curious to see what they're going to do because you got this Halo Infinite that makes no fucking sense. We retconned the art style. That still doesn't make sense. We... we tried to sweep the story of Halo 5 under the rug while also acknowledging a lot of things about it. And then we set up a bunch of cliffhangers and, and surprises at the end of Halo Infinite that are not addressed because the campaign DLC got cut. So like, what is Halo, what is Halo 7 going to be, man? Is it going to be like, all right, like Halo 7 should start out and it's like fucking John Halo in a wheelchair and he's an old man, and you only know that because he's wearing, like, a gown and a gurney, and he's he's in a wheelchair. And they're like, John Halo, do you mind telling us what happened all those years ago back on Genesis? And he's like, yeah, let me explain what happened to Cortana, because they got the fucking, uh, they got freaking uh, Captain Price from Call of Duty to voice him. He's like, me and my mates, me and Blue Team were out on Genesis, and the created turned against us. And then, like, it's flashback, and you're playing through the events between Halo 5 and and Halo Infinite, and that's and that's how they fill in the gaps. And then, like, it's like Black Ops Two style, right? And then they bring you through the years, and it goes from it goes all the way from being like the '80s to like the 2020s or something like that, right? And then maybe, yeah, I, I think that's like what they have to do at this point. And then they're like, "But what happened after Atriox died?" And then and then John Halo will be like, "It was the whatever it is that new enemy faction they introduced at the very end of Halo Infinite that we just never hear about again." And it's like, you got to explain, where did the Prometheans go? Why don't we shoot Promethean guns anymore? Why did the art style change? Why is your armor different? Why does the assault rifle look different now? Why did we do forget the fucking story of Halo 6? What happened after Halo 6? Like, what, like, what, I don't know, man. They got a lot of explaining to do. I don't envy that campaign team whatsoever. Because you've got a mountain of shit to fix. And I don't, I know people are like, mm, they're going to soft reset it. They're going to, mm, they're going to do, no, that's what Halo Infinite was, a soft reset. And they fucked that up too. So at this point, 
they got to stick with what they got. They got to fix this. They can't restart it unless they are shelving Master Chief's story, which I don't believe they're doing. They got to fix this. And I don't know. I love the idea of 343 being the multiplayer team that makes these this this live service multiplayer sweet for Halo. And then you get the this rotating cast of different studios that makes these various Halo campaigns. Some of them are about Master Chief. Some of them are about other other teams and other stories and other characters. I'm totally cool with that. But like someone for the love of fucking Christ explain what the point of Halo 5 and Halo Wars 2 were if we're just not going to address that. So I'm, dude. I mean, I should be more mad about Halo Wars too. I mean, they they literally they set that stuff up so perfect, and that's like the the one two punch is like Halo Five ends on this beautiful Halo Two cliffhanger, and then we get Halo Wars Two, which ends on another beautiful Halo Two style cliffhanger that coincides with Halo 5's cliffhanger, and then we get Halo Infinite, which just ignores the fuck out of both of them. I I mean, I've said it a million times. I'll say it again. It's like if after Empire Strikes Back, you got The Force Awakens. It's like okay, fuck you. We'll mention Luke Skywalker's name in passing, but this is a different story. Fuck you now. Disney owns it. What do you want? Like, I, I it's just, it's weird. And they got to fix that. But, and, and, and the last thing I'll say, I mean, this freaking, this new uh, little, so they're not doing seasons anymore. So this new operation that they're doing, this 20 tier operation that 343 is teasing for G, uh, January 30th. It's called Operation Spirit of Fire. That's Fucker, that's the shit from Halo Wars 2. They got the Spirit of Fire logo and all the teaser trailers and like on their social medias and stuff. I'm like, bro, now you're just adding salt in the wound. So we're going to have Halo Wars 2 references and stuff all throughout all throughout Halo Infinite, but we're not going to ever actually find out what happens narratively. But anyway, I digress. I think this is overall a good thing. We're moving away from Infinite. At this point, that's the best you can do. I have full confidence that 343 are the man for the job, especially when it comes to the multiplayer. And whatever they work on next is probably going to be pretty excellent, pretty great gameplay stuff. Um, I'm just, just massive, huge question mark in many of them uh, when it comes to the campaign. What do you do from here? Because we've been reassured that you're not going away from Halo. Halo's going to continue to be supported. We're going to get more John Halo. We're going to get more Master Chief. So what? what's the plan? Uh, that's it for, for the big news, I, I guess. Um, we talked about Power World. We talked about Halo. Let's really quickly go through important enough news stories. These are important enough to make the podcast stories not important enough to warrant their own discussions. So um, a new Xbox wireless controller has been leaking. So this means in the coming days we'll probably see it get confirmed. Uh, Bill Bilkun uh, says that the new controller is called Dream Vapor Special Edition. Uh, data mi- the data miner has showed uh, renderings of it. It looks like, like a white camo, kind of like that bluish camo thing that we had it's like a storm cloudy camo thing i don't know um it'll probably release next month for 70 bucks so we'll wait for microsoft to and you know reveal it next up games industry leaders this is from vgc suggest that widespread job losses across the market last year will continue throughout this year so this is what uh game developer farhan noor who's been tracking job cuts data back from last year on video games layoffs.com has estimated that over 10,000 game industry employees were laid off last year and that less than a month into 2024, we've already lost 3,000 video game related jobs. And speaking of gamesindustry.biz, anonymously, senior industry figures warned that more tough times are ahead for the market due to continued high interest rates and overabundance of new game releases and cautious investors. Um, so they're expecting this year to be more of that shit show. And if that, you know, if you need any proof of that being the case, well, we got the following two stories where next up, people can fly. Uh, developer behind Outriders 
uh, has reportedly laid off over 30 developers working on an unannounced Square Enix game. Internal email was shared with Kotaku, and the developer said uh, that the cuts were being made due to budget limitations and the shrinking scope of their project. Uh, further, a further 20 uh, people working on the game, uh, which is codenamed Project Gemini, have also been reallocated to other projects at the studio um, because the, the project they're working on has been downsized. Not only that, but Piranha Byte is reportedly facing closure altogether as part of Embracer Group's ongoing restructuring efforts um, from RPG site. The German uh, studio uh, behind the Gothic Risen and Elix series will close its doors unless it can find a new owner and publishing partner. So that's fucking terrifying and wishes go out to all the people affected by that. Um, so unfortunately, that is all we have for, for the small news is just layoffs, expected layoffs, and a leaked controller for Xbox. But... I don't make the news, I just report it. You guys, that's going to do it for all of our news. And not to end on such a dour note, let's move into the most uplifting, happy, best part of the show. The final segment, the comments. You know how it works. You head on over to YouTube.com slash Xbox on podcast. It's Xbox on podcast, YouTube.com. Click on the latest episode of the podcast and leave a comment. You say anything nice, anything mean, something in between. I don't give a shit. Say whatever you want. It's a free podcast. Uh, Xbox on is not a nation. It's a free podcast. Say whatever you want handful of you guys wrote in this week so let's uh, start out with some of your reactions to the developer direct so last week's developer direct uh, mike clark wrote in and says greatest developer direct follow-up show on the web more to come but i need to re-listen and calm myself after that indie showcase okay we'll come back to you at the end mike clark dead captain james writes in and says indie looks amazing i'm pretty damn hyped for this i'm at the perfect age for me it hit me right in the nostalgia i think a lot of people would agree with you on that dead captain james and it's it's a really feel-good story because and I was like, we got so much Indiana Jones and we got a lot of Spider-Man. There's all these other licensed IP that we get a lot of. But like Indiana Jones is one of those things where there have been indie games before, but we've never had like a a truly phenomenal Indiana Jones game. And it'll be really cool to get something like that. And uh, yeah, I don't I don't know, man. I know the last movie flopped hard and, and people aren't, you know, whatever about that stuff. But I think I don't think the Indiana Jones IP is like down and out in the way a lot of other pe- things feel that way. Um, I think people are still pretty optimistic and high on this. And if you make a game that captures the look and the feel of the original Indiana Jones movies and then translates it well into video games, then I think you have an absolute bonafide hit on your hands. And I, you know, I think it's going to play really well to that demographic as well as people like me who, you know, maybe Indiana Jones wasn't necessarily the thing for my generation, uh, but I did grow up with these movies. I do know them. I'm familiar with them and I like them as well. So I, I'm really looking forward to this game. I think, I think uh, machine games have proven that they are a great fit for this IP. And I just really can't wait to try out what they put together here. All right. Sam Frito writes in and says, yep, we are fortunate. A developer direct where they could have spoke Swahili and I'd still given zero Fs as long as the Valve looked, at, looked great and Indy showed gameplay. We need Xbox doing this. Congrats on coming back to calorie counting slash smarter choices. If I'd accepted good food, <laughs> uh, good food made gamer fat three decades ago, I might not have my left leg in a glass case above the garage door. Joking. Excellent podcast. Well, hopefully, uh, hopefully you're at, at the very least you're able to use that, um, that, that leg in a glass jar above the garage door as a, as a whipping stick. You know, if the kids are ever out of line, bend over daddy's lap, give me my leg. Fucking, you know, discipline the good old fashioned way, Sam Frito. But yeah, I'm glad. It seems like everyone's pretty high on it. People love the game, the game shown. People like the style of the direct. And most importantly, people are fucking hyped for indie. And that's great. I, I love, I love to see it. I know there's a lot of purported like 
uh, criticism and, and, and kind of, um, what am I trying to say? Controversy surrounding the, the, the perspective of Indiana Jones, first person versus third person. But honestly, that's, that's really not what I'm seeing. I, I think I've overwhelmingly bared witness to just a really positive re- reaction to that game. And it's just, it's uplifting and encouraging. It's great to see Indiana Jones as an IP get some really well-deserved love. It's uh, it's it's great to see Xbox get some respect and love for something that they got in the pipeline. And then Machine Games, just one of the great game developers. Great to see people excited about what they're working on. So, yeah, I love the Direct. I can't wait for a vow. That's still my most anticipated game of the year. I still don't think Indie comes out this year. I think Indie gets easily delayed to 2025. But I hope I'm wrong, and the game looks great, and I will gladly play them both as soon as they come, along with Hellblade and, and, and all that. So... Good year for Xbox. Towerborn, Hellblade, Avowed, Call of Duty Golf War, Indie. I mean, dude, I mean, it's a great year. It's it's not as well paced out, you know, like this time last year we had Hi-Fi Rush and then all that stuff. So, you know, it's like we got to wait till May for Hellblade and then Indie and Avowed will both be later in the year. So, you know, it's a little backloaded, but still, when's Towerborn come out? I feel like that's a great, it's a great summer game. If you, I mean, at this point, I think it's too late for it to come out in like March or something, which would be perfect. But you know, maybe like July, that'd be, please. I I love summer game releases, please. All right, next let's talk about the Series X Megalodon. Mr. Malg writes in and says, if they come out with an Xbox Series XL Pro Ultra Supreme Thanos Edition with 120 teraflops and 240 FPS, I'll maybe consider it if they make upgrading the storage that much easier. I'm still butthurt over not being able to upgrade at a reasonable price. Man, that is one thing. Xbox definitely needs to walk back which is trying to have a more PS5 approach to its storage expansion, because even though the expansion cards are nice and portable and discreet, and I love them, uh, it's just, it's cost effective. That proprietary shit never works well. And it's, it's, it's really weird. I've said it before, but it's a very Sony solution. And Sony had a very Xbox solution with storage this year, this generation. It's very ass backwards the way they, they, they both handled that. And um, yeah, I mean, why not a solution for both? Why not be able to internally swap the SSD for a higher model while also be able to support those expansion cards. I mean, I think that would be ultimately the best, but yeah, I mean, no, I mean, the rumors are, which we haven't talked about on this podcast is that apparently there's a new Xbox generation that might take place as early as 2026. They might try to Xbox 360, the next generation, which I don't know how that will work out for them. I don't know if that's a good idea, but if that's the case, um, I mean, maybe they just want to distance themselves from the the underpowered Series S, quote unquote. Um, I don't know, but if that's the case, I mean, that would sure explain a lot of why they're not doing a Series X Pro edition. But I still want it. I don't care. I'll buy a new Xbox every year for the rest of my life if you give me a reason to do it. All right, and the more comments. Tim R wrote in and says, "Good call back there last week on the haircut. I shaved my head." It's fantastic. I no longer look homeless, so it's a win all around. Well, Tim R, I just I just knew you got a haircut. I'm really good at knowing these kinds of things. And I just gotta say, I hope I hope you love it. I hope when it's windy outside, you like the way it feels on your head, and then you can control the level of exposure your scalp gets by uh, customizing your head with different hats and hat accessories. So have a great week, Tim R. You're awesome. Headhunting Halo writes in, and yeah, he's not at the end of the comments this week. Can you believe it? Uh, he says, I keep forgetting to ask you. Your profile says you haven't played Xbox in like 130 days. What's up with that? I don't know why it says that, but but now around last week, that's what it said. Okay, I don't know what 
I can't read. Um, Headhunting Halo, I have been off Xbox for... When was the last time I powered up my Xbox? I last played my Xbox on Sunday the 21st, which as of the time I'm recording this was three days ago. My girlfriend last powered up my Xbox today. Uh, she likes to play video games because she works from home. Lucky her. I don't know. I don't know what to say. I do have my Xbox always set to appear offline, so that might have something to do with it. Um, just because I I always have my Xbox running for like Netflix and and Hulu and um, YouTube and stuff like that, and because like there will be days where I'm like I don't have time to play games right now, but. I do want to just scroll around the storefront and see what's going on here. And I just like, I don't like shopping the Xbox storefront on the app or on the website. I, I just prefer to be on my Xbox and do it. So, I mean, I literally fall, I, I use, I use my Series X, I would say gets used an average of six days a week. My Xbox One gets used an average of seven days a week, but that's exclusively a YouTube Disney Plus device. And then my Series S probably gets used once or twice a week. So, I mean, I'm between all three consoles, I'm 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 playing my Xbox. You know, in, in terms of video games, lately I've been probably playing games only twice a week. Um, but it's just it's it's just been hard, man. I don't, I don't know. It's it's not that I don't want to play games. It's like when I finally have the free time, it's like ten o'clock at night. I'm like, okay, I'm going to bed. <laughs> so I don't know. But on weekends, I'm playing my Xbox. I've been I, I just beat the, the last couple of Batman games. So you can check my achievements and you can see them. It shows the date I unlocked them. So I don't know. Stop stalking me, headhunting Halo. God damn it, dude. At least uh, at least ask me to dinner if you're going to check my playtime, bitch. Hope you're having a great week, headhunting Halo. By the way, you also look really good. Uh, BP Fatio writes in and says, I just want to point out that you missed a couple of opportunities to use the word gumption. Love the pod. Gumption. Uh, I mean, I in, in regards to what specifically? Gumption. Um, I mean, whoever... Whoever whoever attempts uh, whoever attempts to somehow tie together the the nonsensical mess that is Halo Infinite's campaign story with the events of Halo Five and then taking the game forward and fulfilling what Halo Infinite teases. Um, I mean the 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 individual or individuals behind that project will have to uh, will have to exude a, a certain level of of gumption. They'll have to you know command gumption <laughs> uh but yeah i mean I, I'll, I'll try i'll try to add it to the vernacular thank you sir thank you for writing in you also look great even though your uh, profile picture is not a profile picture it's just the letter b i'm still gonna assume that you have jet black hair and uh crew cut and last week you were wearing a burnt orange sweater that looks really good on you so just really really styling that i appreciate that man keep 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 sporting your, your fashion, looking like you. All right, final comment. I told you we get back to you, Mike Clark. Mike Clark takes us out with a long one. He says, it's me again. FYI, Batman Arkham, Batman Arkham Origins is available on GOG for five bucks. You own the game and you can play it offline. Wonder why you didn't buy it on Xbox. I looked this up. You're right. But also, No. I'm going to buy it on Steam or I'm going to buy it on Xbox. Steam is my last resort place to buy and play a game. And Xbox is my first line of defense every time. So, thank you. It's good to know, but no. Never played Pokemon in my life, but Power World looks like it could be fun. Uh, spoiler alert, it's not. 
No, I'm just kidding. Apparently it is. I, I got to play more of it to find out. But I hope you're I hope you're liking it. Let me know if, if you're playing it. Everything about the developer show last week was great. In my opinion, the developer talks is what makes it different compared to Nintendo, who just shows a bunch of games. Uh, I kind of like showing a bunch of games, but a little both is nice. I, I do like letting the developers have the floor, although I don't think they always say any you know things that are fruitful. Sometimes it's just, oh, we're really excited to share with you a game we've been working hard on. The combat is visceral. The world allows you to be yourself and create a character that is just like you. In the game, you'll have to make tough choices to decide who will live and who will die. It's like, okay, you're describing every video game in the world right now. <laughs> no disrespect to the developers, but sometimes I do feel like we're just we're just being fed platitudes um, when they're trying to describe these games. But anyway, you said Avowed still looks fantastic, and I know it doesn't have the most next-gen graphics, but I'm excited to spend 40 to 50 hours in the uh, Pillars of Eternity world. Yeah, I see a lot of a lot of comments about the graphics. I don't, I don't know, man. Does it look like the last of us part two? No. Uh, does it look more than adequate? Yeah. I don't care. That looks great. I love the art style. Hellblade two. At this point, nothing else to say. I'm, I'm ready to play. It looks and sounds incredible. I do find it an odd decision uh, to not offer a physical edition. Does the series X not having a disc slot or is it used for making fajitas? Ha uh, <laughs> Isn't it ironic that the game kicked off this gen for Xbox has also received the most press and is arguably the best looking game this generation can't even get a physical copy? No, I, I actually love that. I love that they're doing that because Xbox has the ability to, you know, with Game Pass kind of being the market leader for them, being the thing to say, being the ones to say like, hey, some games are smaller games. Some games are download games. Some games are 50 bucks instead of 70 bucks. And they're exploring the space. And I appreciate and respect that about them. I know it pisses people off and they want to buy a physical copy of Hi-Fi Rush and all these things. But I'm telling you, I'm not saying that it's a good thing to not have a physical version. I, I would prefer for it to exist for those that want it. But it is this is a good thing in the sense that Xbox is embracing this future where gaming needs to go, which is it's okay to be a smaller game. It's okay to be a cheaper game. It's okay to... You know, for everything to not be this, go to GameStop and pre-order now for an exclusive poster. You know, like, I don't know. I appreciate that. Um, also, I, I I do wonder if Hellblade 2 was supposed to be more ambitious at some point because it did take, like, seven years. And it is curious that this is the game they chose to announce their console with only for it to end up being not, like, their most genre-defining game. I mean, man, if they could have, they would have showed Starfield, you know, if, th if that were a possibility at the time. Uh, you said Indiana Jones. Hell yeah, this looks fantastic. Not disappointed with the first person view after seeing gameplay and knowing the pedigree of machine games. Amen. Lastly, I was completely blown. I, I was sorry. I was completely honest about PC. Uh, my PC statement from last week. I love console gaming. I've been gaming since the Atari 2600. And first console I ever purchased as an adult was a Sega Genesis. Bought into Xbox, the second Sega bowed out and even learned to love Nintendo with the GameCube. But ever since the tail end of the Xbox One generation, Xbox has very has been very clear of messaging. They don't care if you buy their Xbox or if you or if there are a few reasons. Sorry, they do not care if you buy their box and are given fewer reasons to own it. They do offer fantastic services with Game Pass, and they just want us to play their games. So that's what I do. I just do it on my PC hooked up to my 55-inch TV, which just so happens to be where I play my Xbox One X and Switch games at. Great show, and hope you have a fantastic week. Well. Thank you for writing in, Mike Clark. Yeah, I mean, and 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 that's and that was the beginning of it, right? Xbox Play Anywhere, Xbox on PC, 2015, 2016, 2016. I mean, that really was the beginning of it all, where that happened, then Game Pass, or in the Will of the Wisps on Switch, next Sea of Thieves on PlayStation. I mean, this is it. We're like, we're slowly 
one thing after another, we're working towards this inevitable future where Xbox is everywhere. And that's that's fine. As long as they offer the console, I don't care. I don't care if all Xbox games come to PlayStation two or three years later. I don't care if PC is the better place to play games. I don't care if Switch gets some of the games like Hi-Fi, Hi-Fi Rush. I, I don't... That's that's great. I The more people who can experience these games, the better. You know, I'm sure for the guys that made Hi-Fi Rush, it'd be great to have your game on Switch, which is no doubt probably the perfect platform for it because that game just looks and feels like such a perfect fit for the Switch. So that, that's awesome. I hope that happens. And I'm sure, you know, Phil Spencer talked about Hi-Fi Rush being a success for them in terms of, uh, you know, in, in, in terms of like exceeding expectations, but he never specifically said in what way. And so I don't think... You know, a lot of people are like, well, they had to do it because Hi-Fi Rush didn't make any money. I don't I don't know. It sounds like Hi-Fi Rush met expectations internally and even exceeded them to an extent. But I guess the thing is, it's like the, the orange has been squeezed. The juice has been juiced from this fruit. There is now an opportunity to rejuice it by putting it on Switch. Why not? Why not just go make money? You can go make money, so go make money. So I, I get it. I do think it's a little bit of a middle finger to the diehard Xbox fans just because it's like at some point we got to have something of our own that isn't just like a controversial Halo or Starfield, you know, but I get it. I also get it if you're a business. So whatever, man, to each their own. As At the end of the day, as long as there's an Xbox console for me to buy, I don't care. You guys play your games wherever you want, wherever makes you happy. I want everyone to have the thing that makes the most sense for them and to be happy with their options. For me, that option is being able to pick up an Xbox controller hooked up to an Xbox piece of hardware that plays games installed locally onto the device. For as long as that is an option, that is what I want to do. Boomer out. With that, yeah, without Boomer out. Guys, that's it for the show. Thank you all for listening and hope you all have a great week. Take care. Be well. Eat some chicken wings. Watch some good old football. And uh, mow your lawns. uh, Pet your cats. Pay your taxes. Tax season is upon us. I don't know what all else is there to do. Just do the thing. Fucking do the dishes. I'm prompted. Don't make her mad. And, uh, and stop and stop asking her for love of God. Stop asking her. Can we go on a Royal Caribbean cruise? She's fucking tired of it. She doesn't want to hear it anymore. She knows you're into cruising. She knows you have some weird obsession with cruising that you keep watching Matt from Royal Caribbean blog.com on YouTube. And it's not, it's not funny. It's not cute. She doesn't think you're handsome when you do it. So just, just stop, stop talking about cruising all the time, even though ovation of the seas is selling out of Alaska for half the price of a Disney Alaskan cruise. So, I mean, maybe if you plan for in two years, maybe it's a, it's a good vacation. It's a romantic vacation, maybe in two years, you know, a little bit of saving and budgeting and planning. Anyone can do it. Maybe. Royal Caribbean will sail out of Seattle. It's a much better port than Vancouver, British Columbia. No offense to you Canadians. It's just more expensive to fly to Vancouver. That's all I'm trying to say. Plus, if you if you book an Alaskan cruise out of Seattle, you get to fly in a day early. Maybe you go drive around, visit Microsoft, go see their campus, get a little history in your bones, see the rainy, beautiful city that is Seattle, eat some food, eat some hipster food, fucking drink a coffee, sleep, wake up, Get on the cruise. You're gone. Seven nights, Alaska. Ovation of the Seas, 2016. One of Royal Caribbean's finest ships, if you ask me. Not that I've been on it, but uh, anyway. That's going to do it for the podcast this week. You guys have a wonderful week. Take care. Be well. uh, Buy all the different colored Xbox controllers that come out. And until next week, power your dreams.